0: Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Uh, joining me on the show this evening, all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, was my friend Braden Langford. I met Braden kind of at the height of the of the COVID pandemic in June or July of 2020, and uh, you know, unfortunately for him, a lot of his employment had had basically stopped, as as was the case with me. And uh, so he he returned home from Vancouver, home being Drayton Valley, Alberta, and had a few bucks in his pocket and, and got a few, uh, you know, lucky donations and some financing and, and wanted to make his first feature film. And so he needed a cinematographer who was available and would work for free and uh, maybe was collecting CERB, so it was all good. And I checked all those boxes and, uh, you know, for about 20 days in July, uh, Braden and I shot a feature film called Darker Than Night. Uh, which is just kind of going through post-production now. Um, and, you know, ever since then, we've kept in touch, and it's it's been great to get to know him. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a young guy. I think he's only 22, and he's got uh, a couple feature films under his belt. Looks like another one in development. And he's logged a ton of hours on, on big film sets. You know, he's worked as a PA, a key PA, Uh, locations, locations manager, uh, assistant director. He's worked in a lot of different uh, departments on a film set and also done some background work, which he talked about uh, in the course of our conversation. So, you know, this is a a young guy with a hell of a lot of runway and and a rising star, I would say. Uh, He brings a lot of energy. He brings a real sort of dedication uh, and a love of the cinema, I would say, and just a a filmmaker uh, to keep an eye on, truly. I believe that. Now, I would say too that, if you're watching these episodes and you're finding them interesting, uh, by all means, reach out to us. I think probably Instagram is the best way to to get in touch with the North Bank Media Podcast. Um, hell, you can even text me at 780-240-3933. The reason I, the reason I say this is because, you know, this is the podcast for, for the common person. This is a podcast for the everyman. You know, we're in a time now where... The, the lines between the public and the private are blurring the lines between let's say personality and person are blurring. everybody has a story and maybe one of the one of the few good things about the media landscape of our day is that uh, everybody can share their story and you know at a time when divisiveness and conflict seem to rule uh, the culture uh, this podcast would like to start maybe helping people to tell their story to rebuild some of those connections. so again, I I say this because I I talk to people from all walks of life. Everybody has a story and everybody has a story worth sharing and this podcast uh, would like to do that. So, you know, and Braden is is no exception. It's a great story. It's a story with still a lot to be told. I'll look forward to see where that's going. But in the meantime, enjoy this one, a long one with a couple of film nerds. This is my conversation with Braden Langford. (laughs) It's all on the record now, Mr. Langford. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me, you're, you're directing movies internationally now.
1: I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> just got out of a meeting for one that uh, we're in development for that's shooting in Scotland. Cool. Uh, we're looking to shoot in March. Right and, on, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, just in development for it right now, but it's sounding extremely promising.
0: How did you? How did you score that?
1: Oh, it's it's kind of like a darker than night one situation oh, where no. it's <laughs> <laughs> where we've had the idea and everything for a while, mm-hmm. and it's like you know what? Let's shoot it, and now people are coming forward with money for it, going like, yeah, here here's some cash to to do it. It sounds interesting. So
0: you you keep stumbling into them. You just keep finding yeah. your way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the the opportunities keep on coming, and it's just taking it day by day. You know.
0: Absolutely. Well, I got to say, Brayden, thanks for coming on the show. When I started doing this, you were on the list of the original maybe 40 names that I had, so I'm glad we finally got around to doing it.
1: Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me, and uh, thank you for having me on that list. It really does mean a lot.
0: Well, hey, man. I mean, we, we, we did a crazy thing together last year, and you it impressed me at such a young age what, what you've been doing with your career, so it's, it's great to uh, to hear about some of those things. Thank you, brother. Talk to me about, uh, well, okay. First of all, how old are you for the viewers and for my knowledge? I I am 22 years old. Right, You you look (laughs) even younger. I got to say. Thank you. Thank you. I get that a lot. (laughs) No, it's a good thing. I think, man, you get, you start getting up there. It's like, you wish you looked younger. So take it what you can.
1: (laughs) Oh, exactly. Exactly. And also like for for me cuz i like you know i i am quite busy at such a young age and working on like some awesome productions mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm hoping that it also shows to people no matter your age or anything like that just get out there and follow your dream and do what makes you happy
0: beautiful and so was it you were were you born in Drayton Valley
1: i was born in uh Edmonton okay. but i was raised in Drayton Valley
0: okay how? What was kind of the moment where you're like, "I gotta get out of here. I, I have to make my way west and and get into the into the motion pictures." Like, was it always the dream for you?
1: Partially, partially. Uh, mm. I kind of came to that realization when I was working on a uh, short film called uh, Star Wars: Darth Bane: Path of Destruction.
0: <laughs> nice, <laughs> Darth Bane.
1: Darth Bane. Right. Yeah, I was I was an AD on that one. Okay. Uh, I was a PA for 20 minutes.
0: Right. And then <laughs> and you, someone and walked off or you were, you were bumped up?
1: I was bumped up. Nice. Uh, because one of the other ADs ended up uh, be- being sick. And they're like, mm. hey, kid, you want to be a third AD? And I'm like, what's a third AD? And he's like, well, you're going to
0: learn. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then it's like, yeah, go check on cast. And I asked the cast how they were, which I had no idea what I was doing. Wow. And then... Then somebody like one of the makeup artists was just like, Yeah, they're about twenty minutes away. I'm cool. I went up to the first aid and he's like, Yeah, they're about twenty minutes away, cast are doing good. They're like, You're already doing the job. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> I'm just kind of following my following my nose here.
1: So. Yeah, like originally I wanted to join the military, so I was an oh. air cadet for quite a oh, few really? years. Okay. And then I was like, you know what? I like this whole film thing. And then I <laughs> discovered the hard way when I started uh started doing uh like background work, right? what the hours are like.
0: Yeah. They're, they're (laughs) hell, aren't they? Or they can be.
1: Yeah. Like I was 16. So I was just under the the labor, the labor laws for, uh, for, for that. (laughs) Uh, I went and got my own agent. My parents didn't help me with that at all. They had no idea I was doing it. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept sending out emails until I started getting represented by faces of Wendy.
2: And, oh, uh, my okay. da- yeah
1: my, my my mom and dad came to the, su- the surprise the morning before I uh, I did background work for Heartland okay uh, that I was like hey so I got a gig in Calgary tomorrow <laughs> for, for Heartland <laughs> on CBC.
0: A gig what what's this gig you're speaking of?
1: I thought it was the best thing ever the best thing All to right. be an
0: extra. <laughs> well, that's a start man come on.
1: Especially a kid from a small oil field town where right. like basically you're working either in the oil field or at McDonald's <laughs> Right, and in high school, it was, it was really cool. And when the episode aired, like everybody kind of had that moment wow. of like Leonardo DiCaprio from once upon a time in Hollywood, when they see me, they're like, Oh, there we go.
0: Right. With the beer and the smoke. <laughs> I know that guy.
1: Yeah. They're like, there he is. Uh. And they're like, yo, you must be like rich now since you're on TV. And I'm like, <laughs> I made minimum wage. Right. <laughs>
0: I made seven fifty an hour, thank you. But what was yeah. that? What was it like to be in Heartland? Because is, is that show still going?
1: It's still going. I think it's on its like fourteenth or fifteenth season. Like, wow, it, it was yeah. incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I was chatting with um, chat chatting with uh, Graham Wortel. I, I okay. think I butchered his last name. He plays Ty. Well, he played Ty. Okay. One of the main characters for like the last like fourteen years. Wow. Uh, I thought he was a regular ex like I thought he was just an extra right because I'm like all right that I don't watch the show I see a few of the the cameras are pointing over there that those are elite lead actors because those those were the cameras appointed. right I'm just sitting beside this guy my first day on a union set no <laughs> idea what I'm doing right and so him and I are just chatting <laughs> the entire time right and I'm just like dude like how do you like working on this stuff like this is so cool he's like yeah I enjoy it and then once he was wrapped and like the 80s, like, took him aside and you know, traveled him in a shuttle separately. And right. I'm just like, <laughs> hmm, huh. <laughs> and then when the episode came out, I'm like, that's that's the number two. That's the <laughs> that's like, motherfucker, the, the lead guy, right? And like, just watching the episode, it kept like the camera's pointing at him, and then there's me beside him. And I was just like, oh, they're just getting reaction shots of the extras and like, whatever, right. <laughs> Nope. nope, I was completely wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. but but he sat there and he talked to you as if you as if you guys were equal like he was not pretentious.
1: Yeah. He was one of the sweetest guys out there, like
0: hmm.
1: not pretentious, just a down to earth guy super sweet. like he was just he was like, yeah, welcome like wow well he basically open arms welcome to the family even though I was just you know a day player.
0: Wow. And, and so was that the beginning then when you got on the set and you saw all the goings on? It was like, okay, this is the life for me.
1: Yeah. Like that was the moment where I'm like, this is the life for me. I have to do it.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: And then when I questioned that was on Fargo.
0: Oh, you were on Fargo as an yeah, extra? With,
1: yeah. As an extra with Ewan McGregor. Nice. That was the coolest thing for 16 year old me though. I bet. Cause I'm God like, damn. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. <laughs> right.
0: Can I call but you obi
1: yeah, like that was my first wake-up call to the hours. So Though we did an eighteen-hour day, Oof. and I still went to school the next morning. Oh, damn! I feel bad for my my dad's friends took me because my dad was working and my mom was working too. So they're like, "Yeah, we'll take him to a film set. It's cool." They sat in the car for eighteen hours. They did.
0: Drove, they stayed you know, the whole time.
1: They stayed the whole time. I felt so bad. Jesus, so bad because they're like, "Yeah, it's only Britain's only needed for one scene." That scene was the entire day.
0: <laughs> it was 40 pages long.
1: Like <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. And I, I remember going to the bathroom and I'm just hearing this guy go, going over his lines. And when I got out of the stall, it was even McGregor talking to himself in the mirror. Holy hell. I was like, um, <laughs> Okay, it was just so awkward, and I'm just starstruck because I'm like right. a huge Star Wars fan, right? Like, massive Star Wars fan, and I'm just like, this very awkward. Like, what do I say? Do I what say do you- hi? <laughs> like, he's just like talking, rehearsing his
0: lines as right. the twins
1: in the bathroom, thinking that he's alone. Like, that
0: whoa, so what did you say?
1: I said the stupidest thing, I just went, hello there.
0: Oh, god, Braden. Well, you were and 16.
1: <laughs> and then he kind of looked at me and it gets worse it okay. gets worse well because afterwards i'm kind of like starstruck still and then i'm thinking the stupidest thing i just said to, to him was hello there Right. and during the scene oh like i is his coverage is out of the shot mm-hmm. i accidentally stood in his eye line oh man and then all i heard is this guy over is creeping me out a bit. And then the next oh. thing I know, an AD walks over going, hey, everybody, we're going to get you to move from over here to over here. Oh, no. And I'm like, <laughs> did I just creep Obi-Wan Kenobi out? <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid.
0: <laughs> never
1: working film again.
0: <laughs> but but, dude, like, it seems to me that you kind of got into it and somehow like rose quickly. Like Heartland and then Fargo at the age of 16. Like that was that luck or, or is that or what was that?
1: Well, I had it. I just like. I, honestly, I don't know because I, I like that was a busy year for me. I did Heartland, went on Fargo, like all mm-hmm. all background, right. all background. Sure. But like, still for somebody for me, like like you shot in my hometown, you can get through the entire town in like two minutes and like two minute drive.
0: There's nothing there. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh. For me, like like after gig after gig like that, I was just like. This is what I want to do mm-hmm. originally it was acting that I wanted to pursue right but I, I just loved the filmmaking because I've been on YouTube for the last 10 years <laughs> and that's what kind of started it all was it kind it kind of like getting those those extra like gigs kind of made me realize I can turn this hobby into a career. <laughs> I don't have to go and become a doctor or work mm. in the oil field like you know classic Albertans do.
0: Right, right. I
1: I can make I can do what I love mm-hmm. and follow my dreams and actually do it.
0: Right, and so then what? When, when did what was the next step then? Because you you got out of background acting, right? Obviously. Yeah,
1: I have a funny story about that because I'm like, all right, Vancouver, Hollywood North, right. I'm going to go become a big actor. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. I had a competition with my friend, Marissa. Okay. I, I was not intentionally moving to Vancouver right after graduation. That was a, a an accident. Marissa and I had a huge competition. Okay. Like we were, we were rivals, you know, just like, she's, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm an extra in heartland. And she'd be like, I'm the lead of my school of play, and I'm like, I don't got time for school plays because <laughs> I want set. <laughs> And so she gave me a call going, I've been to a private acting school in Vancouver. Ooh. And they only accept like a certain amount of students a year. I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. Congrats. Good for you. Four days later, got accepted into the same school, center the, center the uh, invitation. Because between that four days, I auditioned for the class, did the interviews and got in.
0: Whoa.
1: And I'm like, <laughs> guess what? We're going to the same school
0: and 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 then that's great so how did you take it
1: oh she was like what (laughs) and and i'm like all right guess guess we're gonna be guess we're gonna be gonna be like homies and at the same class and i'm just sitting here like i gotta move to vancouver
2: (laughs) yeah
0: oh wait a minute go to
1: acting school now and take those student loans and do this right because if i back out now like i don't know what i'm gonna do like what i'm like i might as well go through with it right Especially after going through, like, yeah, a few days of effort like that. But mm. it's like, you know what? I got in for a reason. Somebody sees potential in me as sure. an actor as well. Right. But dur- during that process, and kind of like, I call it, I call that soul school while I was there too, because it was helping me discover myself after high school.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of where I, I'm like, I want to be a director because, yeah, I like, I like being in movies, mm-hmm. but I also like making them telling that story
0: right right
1: so shortly after graduation that's kind of where things just took right off
0: exploded
2: yeah and completely so exploded
0: was going to vancouver the catalyst like you couldn't have gotten to where you were without i mean vancouver was it as much as you say it's hollywood north but it, it was the next step for you right
1: oh it was definitely the next, the next step i wouldn't be where i am now without moving to vancouver mm-hmm. and just taking that jump like I had no idea what was gonna happen next. I knew nobody here. Right. Uh, It was just let's go. Like I, uh, I, I took up a job at a a dollar store in Drayton Valley over the summer. Uh, So, so then that way, that way I could, uh, I could have enough money to move. Mm -hmm. And uh, God, how many? How much?
0: How many hours did that take of working at the dollar store? To live in Vancouver.
2: <laughs>
1: Surprisingly, <laughs> it was decent. Okay. Like, like, I was only supposed to go for part time. Uh-huh. And I had a friend who worked there, but then uh like got let go. Okay. And I was kinda of bugging them about it a little bit <laughs> because they gave me their locker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the I applied for part time, but the managers liked me so much that they gave me full time shifts. Ah. Uh, and, and they wanted to like promote me and stuff like that. But I was just sitting here going, I'm moving like I didn't tell them because they wouldn't give have given me the job. Sure. Yeah. I was like, I'm moving to Vancouver in like three weeks. I'm about to put in my two weeks notice like next week. I right. have a pre written, I have this pre plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I don't know how they're gonna take it. And so I I told them. And they're like, they were very understanding and supportive. But at the same time, I'm like, what What are they going to do? Like right. fire really? me like that? <laughs> yeah,
0: that'd be nice.
1: Yeah. But they were very understanding about it. And they're like, yeah, go off, go, go to school, have fun. Right. And so <laughs> went there, did an intense six month acting program. Okay. Every day from, from 8am to like 4pm, just acting going through the different techniques and it's really helped me as a, uh, as a director. But as soon as I finished that, it was like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to pay the bills?
0: Right. Right. And and so how did you, how old are you at this point? 18?
1: At, At this point I was 18. Right. Just turning 19. And I thought I'll have to do the same thing I did in Edmonton. Was work on indie film sets right. until somebody recognizes my work ethic and they're like, hey, you want to come on to a bigger paid gig? And uh, I ended up uh, volunteering at a place called Vancouver Web Fest, which is a huge web festival that happens every year. Okay. As a camera operator, and nice. I, yeah, and I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, I'm an ALM for for a small Disney movie. I'm looking for PAs. You want to be a PA? I'm like, yeah. Why not? That's exciting. And afterwards, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is an ALM?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And There's uh, a lot of
0: abbreviations in this world, by the way. In the yeah. Mo- so
1: ALM for those who are listening and what or watching is Assistant Location Manager. And for some reason, like I, I still had no idea about lots of the film positions and whatnot. Right. I thought it was pretty high up there with like director or producer. It's
0: gotta be second or third in command.
1: Yeah. I was like, wow, this is sick. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, it's a small Disney movie called Kim possible.
2: Oh, damn. And
1: I, I'm like, I watched that as a kid. Right. And now they're, they're doing a, a reboot. They're like, yeah, a live action reboot. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and so, I waited like a month and a half and I didn't have any work. I was just kind of living off my savings. Right. And I'm just sitting there going any day now he has to call me (laughs) or I'm going to have to get a job, like a real, (laughs) real job and it'll crush things. Right. I was about to send him a follow up email Uh. because I haven't heard from this guy from WebFest from that time. And he's like, I sent." he's like, as soon as I was typing up the email, got a new email, it was him with the PA schedule. I scheduled for eight days and I thought that was awesome. Right. I was like, eight, yeah, eight eight days and it was a union. So it would count towards my days towards the Director's Guild of Canada. And I had no idea about PA pay because (laughs) I did a previous, I did a, I did a reality TV show for the comic strip in Edmonton previously.
0: Right. I saw that. I saw the trailer, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where they paid me like PA rate and they told me this was like union PA rate. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I could be making this every day. Like this is good.
0: What was it daily? It was
1: like at at the time it was like 250 bucks a day.
0: Not bad for a young guy.
1: Yeah. Not bad at all. So when I got that paycheck, I was like, Oh, so Kim Possible, I was like all hyped up. I'm like 250 bucks a day. Like Mm -hmm. that is going to be sick
2: Right.
1: for eight days. Like I'm going to be able to pay rent for like a month in Vancouver. (laughs) Yeah. at yeah. least maybe have something aside from ramen
0: right right right. I,
1: and uh yeah i ended up working a lot more like it was i ended up working like 32 days out of the 35 filming days they Damn. just kept calling me back every day and i was learning more and yeah. i tried to avoid the actors because they were like the same age as me
0: <laughs> who played and kim still, who played kim was it somebody it famous was,
1: uh, no, it was her first role. Her name is Sadie Stanley. Okay. She honestly did an amazing job with the role. She's super sweet, and she she was just killing it. Like it was her first audition. I think it was her first audition, but oh, I wow. know it's her first role, and she Jeez. she booked it. Uh, she's very awesome. But yeah, like I was trying to avoid avoid these guys because they're the same age as me and everything, and I'm just <laughs> and I'm just under this still the old Hollywood stigma of. You can't talk to the actors and right. that sort of thing. Right. Then Sean Giambroni from the Goldbergs, he plays, you know, Adam Goldberg, like one of the leads.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Each time we'd both be getting, apparently we'd both be getting in the way of crew putting lights up and equipment because he didn't want to go to the green room sometimes.
2: Okay. So <laughs>
1: he'd come and talk to me. And I was scared for the ALM to walk by going, why are you talking cast? Right. You're fired. <laughs> right. I was so terrified each time. But we ended up becoming good friends nice and like one weekend when my alm found out he was kind of like he didn't know what to do but we had a few more days of filming left right because sean was like hey want to hang out on granville this weekend (laughs) and i'm like sure why not so we we went walked around granville and just like we're going to all these different stores, playing like playing video games at Best Buy, like on the demo things, we're looking at the Goldbergs like box set DVDs and everything. And he's like on the cover of every one. Wow. And we're and we're just like, should we take this to the checkout and ask how much it is and see if they realize that that's you?
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you and
1: we're just we're just sitting there like, I don't know, man. Like he's like he's like I don't want to attract too much attention, but it would be fun. We're like, yeah. Yeah. But what? Because I, I really only like talked to Sean a lot, but uh, there's also Sierra and Sadie. Sierra played like a new character, and Sadie's Kim. Right. On the last day of filming, it was it was really like kind of shocking because Sadie's like mom was there and like stuff like that. Sadie introduced uh, like her mom to me and everything. She's like, "Yeah, this is Braden," and I'm just like, "I'm just a PA. What's going on?" And Sean Sean knows that we can't take photos on set. Right. So he, but he's allowed to, so he went and took photos with me and stuff like that all behind the scenes, which I can, I can send you later. Sure. Uh, he took photos with like me and a bunch of the other PAs and like his favorite people on set and he sent them to me. So then that way he knows that like, (laughs) we can't, we won't get in trouble for them, but they can't really do a lot to him about it since he's Ron stoppable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's Ron stoppable. Wow.
1: Yeah. And so that kind of was like the big thing for me. I'm like, this is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was scared about getting work afterwards because I'm like, this, these last few months have ended. Right. Uh, I don't really know where to go next. And I got a call from a, a good friend of mine now, Al Dales. Uh, he was one of the key PAs on Kim Possible. He's like, hey, I'm doing a Hallmark MOW. <laughs> do, you, do you want to come out? I'm like, Hell sure. Yeah. I don't know what to I- I don't know what a MOW is, but why not?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, so my regular PA. He's like, Yeah. By the end of the movie, I was the onset key PA, and I kept going on for multiple Hallmark movies as the onset key PA.
0: How many Hallmark movies have you done now? Movie of the week. Oof. Movies of the week, we <laughs> could say. MOW.
1: I've done so many. I've done at least because <laughs> I've done a lot of mix of lifetime thrillers and Hallmark uh, movies. Right. Uh, like I just got done one for, it's not Hallmark. It's for great American country family. Okay. Uh, it stars, uh, Maggie Lawson and, uh, Christopher Russell. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, I, I, I'm so sorry, Chris, if you are, if you were listening to this and I butchered your last name, I'm just double checking. Cause Chris, no problem. Chris. Oh yes, it is. Chris, Christopher Russell. Oh, cool.
0: I hope he's listening. I hope you share this with, with everybody. <laughs>
1: Oh, Chris, Oh man, Chris is so amazing. That that cast and crew was just so beautiful. Like they're just, I'm excited for the movie. The movie's called A Lot Like Christmas. It's coming out on just um, I think December fifth. There you we go. We just wrapped it like a week ago. Oh, right on. And it's coming out December fifth. Holy hell! Uh, yeah, fast turnaround. They're, wow. Everybody was so so fantastic on that movie. But I've done so many of them. Like I'm just trying to think because I I was on set key for a lot of them uh like a ton like a priceless christmas uh that one was with tony braxton nice uh and uh michael jai white okay which i i was just like i i kind of recognized him a bit i'm like that kind of looks like like spawn right, right. i didn't make the connection till right, afterwards like, oh, where shit. i'm like oh that was spawn
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the attitude on set with these movies of the week like they just is it like a factory? We just churn it out. We don't get to, or is, or is it like any other set?
1: So it's kind of like a, it depends on the production company. Cause mm-hmm. like, so to put this into perspective, I AD'd about like four or five of them. And I PA'd like five or six of them. Okay. And then I was an assistant location manager for eight. Oh, wow. Like eight of them back to back to back to back. Like, uh, there is one show where it's a lifetime thriller, uh, one of the toughest movies I've ever been, par- been a part of. Hmm uh it was just like logistically it was tough okay um they handed me the script at wrap for the next movie and they said they're already locations they've already been like location scouting and everything the tech survey is tomorrow morning (laughs) and it's like at this point it's like midnight and i'm like what time do i have to be at the office to be at the tech survey and he's like 9 a.m i'm like perfect wow and we were already in prep three days later we were shooting the next movie
0: god damn
1: But the thing about these is some of them are pre-sold too. Oh, okay. So, like, we already got, like, say the company would get, like, like, I think this is how it works because I've been told so many different things. It depends on the movie. Right. Like, I know some companies will get, like, say, two million dollars and they'll keep, like, a million for profit and then use a million to make it. Sure. As the budget.
0: Where does this money come from?
1: Uh, It comes from networks, I believe. Okay. Like, I know, like, for some of the movies that I'm doing uh they have like a a minimum guaranteed number that they can give us for how much we'll make. Hmm. And so like for my lower budget stuff until I can get higher budget movies that's kind of how I've been playing it with in the micro budget indie world is right. kind of like this is the safe amount to make it at right. because our return will be this amount.
0: Right. So <laughs> key PA and AD on these big Vancouver sets and not looking back, not 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 looking to change. Just happy with that at the moment.
1: I'm happy with that at the moment. I'm trying to step into directing full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like I've 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 been working as a third assistant director, and mm-hmm. in, the, in the states, it's also known as a second second AD.
0: Okay, that's way better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Second, I'm like second. when I was working on Batwoman, some of our American directors would be like, "What are you?" Because they don't have a third AD in the states. Oh. And so I'm like, I'm your second second to like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, because at the time I was like, I was uh, like 20, just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Like I just like, it's kind of that weird time before COVID. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm 20. and they're like oh okay and i'm like so what's the tone for this that you're going for so i can set these gotham city police department officers or stuff like that was like so (laughs) cool i'm like yeah i need 20 20 gcpd officers we're gonna have you running in and like i was just having lots of fun with it because i was like a little bit of creativity i was able to do
0: right so second second or third is a lot of that's like background direction
1: yeah so uh you uh some first ADs like setting background mm. and some will just make their uh, second second or third ad do it
2: mm. uh
1: the third ad is also responsible for we have two thirds or sometimes okay. we have what we call a tad a trainee assistant director
2: because
1: mm. uh tax credits so like the government will sure. pay for that position Uh, They take care of like uh, the cast and basically anything logistically that needs to go through the day. Like we make sure, like say we have a bunch of changes, we make sure there's change rooms on set. That all the departments know this is what's happening for these certain scenes, Hmm. and that sort of thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, So I I still am blown away. But what is it? Was it work ethic? Was it luck? Like what is it that allowed you? Because there might be people listening or like a young person who seriously wants to get into the industry. What was it that allowed you to keep? Literally you rapped one night and they handed you the script for the next production. Why how did you become this guy?
1: Uh I, I always try to keep a positive attitude and like I do believe it is part of my work ethic mm-hmm. where no matter how down you are, uh you just keep on going. Like uh mm-hmm. you and I've been in some of those situations together where like yes. it, it was <laughs> it was so bad, but at the same time you and I were laughing, we're like, All right, a few more takes and then we're wrapped.
2: <laughs> right, Right, or right. Repeat
1: or or we be uh, be laughing together and it's just all about uh how you look at things like i've had people tell me who are no longer pAs and i'm very glad they they are not mm-hmm. i kind of see that as a like as a graduation thing where i'm like awesome you're moving up you're right. following what you want to do mm-hmm. where they're like yeah i'm not peeing anymore but you were the best alm i've ever had
2: damn
1: and these guys are like still 30s 40s and I'm just like, I'm a, I'm, I'm still like what a lot of people consider just a kid.
0: Right.
2: Right. But
1: it's just all about your drive and your passion of mm. just cause like, I'm not, I'm not doing this to make money. Mm. It, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it's, get me wrong. Sure. But like a lot of the time I kind of step, step off to the side like I'll do one movie and then take some time off to work on my own stuff or develop mm. my own things. Cause I, I didn't get in this for the paycheck. I got in it to tell stories and be mm. a filmmaker mm. to do what I love and have fun doing it. it it's just like, uh, how I made darker the night one. Right. Uh, I had, I had nothing to, I had nowhere to go or just, mm-hmm. uh, I had a relationship that I was in for many years, just
2: right. And right. COVID hit, mm-hmm.
1: uh, so lost my relationship, lost my job, lost my place. Uh, I had no idea what was going to go on or what the future held. And so I put everything in storage, flew down to Alberta with only my camera bag and a bag of clothes. And I told myself, I'm not coming back till I have a feature.
0: And God damn it, do you have a feature?
1: Yeah, we got, we got a feature done. And uh, fu- another funny story is I was about to pay for that entire thing out of my own pocket.
0: I'm I, glad you didn't. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I like literally. I, I'm like, all right. I, the night, the night before filming, like it was only like the night before. I was like, I have five thousand dollars in my bank account. That is the budget. We'll make it work. Jesus. And my uncle was there. And right. I had another. I had another person who was interested in investing at the time too. But I'm like, if, and so I started talking to my uncle, and he's like, he already had the cash and everything. He's like, yep here you go.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Your uncle where we went for the rap party?
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 He, he was our other investor and uh-huh, okay. uh, him and a good family friend uh, put in the money and they're like, here you go. And so Beautiful. less than 48 hours before filming, like the night before, literally, here's <laughs> $10,000. Oh God. Go out and make a feature. Fun- and, funding uh, secured. <laughs> yeah. Funding secured. And um, I was just kind of sitting there going, Okay, I gotta, I gotta do this now. But it's also like one of the the darkest points in my life too,
2: because
1: hmm. I'm just like at the time, like I'm still fighting with it. Like I was uh, diagnosed with uh, severe separation anxiety and depression and okay. all that fun stuff.
0: Sure, uh, after the end of your relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, and right. like also just like when I was talking to the doctor about it, like having a long term relationship like that. And then also losing your job, and then also you know the place you're living because I was Fuck. living with with my ex. Right. Like those are like some of the biggest, hard hitting things a person can go through. And three and
0: one: your job, your your relationship, and your home.
1: Exactly. And so I had no idea what to expect or anything. So every day was kind of like a constant battle. There were some days where I, I couldn't get out of bed. Hmm. And I'd have these like horrible anxiety attacks where like I'd start shaking and like I just didn't know what to do. Wow. And so I kind of went to the only thing that I knew what to do and what my heart and mind was telling me is like go make a movie.
0: So how does how does it why is it why was it darker than night? Like how did Michael Rye and his story come how did you get connected with that?
1: So darker than night. Oh man, good old darker than night. So um <laughs> We had a, back in high school, uh-huh. <laughs> back in high school, <laughs> some friends and I were looking for uh, like camera accessories. Sure. And uh, Michael owned a electronics store at the time.
0: Oh, is that right? <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: And so he we were like- He was that just guy.
0: To- he was literally that guy.
1: Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, like, do you have any of these stuff? Like, I, I'm not too sure if you know a lot about cameras.
0: Mm.
2: And
1: That was a moment where I thought I was going to die, but- like, because he's like, yeah, actually, I got some in the back of the store. Oh God! <laughs> and so, as a as a film kid,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and not thinking about my safety, of going into the stranger's back, like a back of the stranger's store, I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got
0: camera batteries back
1: there? Yeah, and he he had he had a red MX one. Right, first generation ex-
0: red. Right. Yeah,
1: and like Fuck. a Canon C-100 and a bunch of stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I made a web series called Darker Than Night. Okay. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And like, I'm just like, all right. And then him and I started talking and we became pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. And then we made Darker the Because it was originally a web series. So we made season two, episode one. Okay. And so I directed <laughs> that with uh, some of my high school buddies. And it was a total fail. Wow.
2: Well.
1: Like it was a learning experience, you know? Yes. Yes. Like, uh, that's what I learned. What coverage was. I did <laughs> not have to stop partway through the dialogue and turn it around and keep on going and cut it and turn it around and
0: <laughs> get it all at once. Why don't you?
1: Yeah. Like I, I had no idea what I was doing. we were just having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so but after darker than night, uh, which I also had one of my good friends, Austin Baker there.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, it was a it was pretty it was pretty fun cuz I was like all right, this is a different genre. Like I'm just having fun doing this, not mm-hmm. even graduated. Like let's let's make something fun. Right. So there is lots of there's and since it was all night shoots.
0: Right. Oh yeah.
1: We only had a certain amount of time before the sun rose.
0: Right. Was it summertime?
1: We, it was summertime. Right. It definitely it, it was Similarly, but like we were complaining about 6 to 7 hour filming days. right and i'm like oh it's such a long day
0: right
2: oh boy oh
0: boy
1: if only somebody told me the hours that i would have been in (laughs) now because now i do minimum like 12 to 15 like i was working on firefly lane Mm -hmm. a few days ago and we i was there for full-blown 12 hours and i'm like yeah that was a short day (laughs) yeah that was quick (laughs) yeah pretty much right but yeah like so darker than night sorry back on track no no problem darker than night because uh, after we did the web se- the web series pilot episode which didn't work out i was like okay whatever it is what it is and mike shared this dropbox folder with me where Darker the night had three feature films and a tv series wow and i'm like that's a lot of content and he's like yep like, it is
0: he'd shot this or it was scripts
1: it was all scripts.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And he had two versions of darker than night that were already previously filmed. Plus the TV show that he did, that he did like the web series. Right. He had a, uh, he had an original darker than night that uh, had Vincent chase as one of the onsite acting coaches. And one of the girls from like supernatural, I forget her name. I think it's like Pauline Erickson. Okay. And so first of all, having Vincent chase attached to like the original DTN was kind of cool.
0: How did he manage that? <laughs>
1: I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure Mike told me. Right. I just forgot. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. All right. But when I when I came back, I was like, I was talking to Mike about this because, like, you know, him and I were st- are still, like, pretty close. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, yeah, man. Uh, Like, told him the situation. And I'm like, I know you're a screenwriter. I know we have Darker Than Night. Like, you have a bunch of those. What if we made that? We made one of the feature films. Mm-hmm. And so we went over Darker Than Night 1, which is also known as Shadows, and just mm. kept writing the heck out of it. And right. I'm like, oh, too expensive, too expensive, too expensive. Let's dumb it down.
0: Right. Simplify.
1: <laughs> yeah, simplify for what we can afford. Right. And, and uh, we just went from there. Once we had uh, a script that we were happy with, we are like, yeah, we can make this for dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. We were like that. And we just kind of started casting and everything. And uh, I originally had no idea about a stunt team at all. Right. Uh, Martin reached out to us when we were casting mm-hmm. the, th- the three takes or less stunt team. And they're like, Hey, you want stunts? Do you need stunts? I'm like, Yes. I, yes, but I don't think we can afford you. He's like, Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> he said like, that?
1: Yeah, he's just like full blown, like, Don't worry about it.
0: Wow. He just we'll wanted volunteer. the experience. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm like, Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, shouts out to Martin and Three Takes or Less. Those guys are awesome. Like, those guys are. They're- those guys are awesome.
1: They're so good. Like I've used them for another project as well. Oh, right on. Uh, where we could actually pay them. And, uh, <laughs> it was just nice to be able cause that was a, a union gig and us being able to pay them back like that and give right. them rehearsal days and that sort of stuff. I was like, it kind of seen it as like a thank you to them. And just also like, right. Like this is awesome.
0: Right. I'm glad to Like hear they that.
1: did it. They did a pretty, a pretty good job. And like, uh, I think the movie that uh, we got like uh, it's changed a lot. Like it's changed quite a bit. I got to send you a new cut of it. Sure. Uh, I'm super <laughs> excited for when the visual effects and everything is done because like no one's gonna believe what we made this for. Like I think the total price now is like still only twelve thousand dollars.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Like,
0: it, but it was it, 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 it was the perfect storm, right, Brayden? Like COVID, nobody was doing shit.
1: Yeah. Like you had all these professionals like, who
0: were like, sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: like, call call up, call up Jen. And then she's like, oh, Jarvis is in town. I'm like, I thought Jarvis was still in Vancouver. Right. And I just, like, kept on going. And I'm just sitting here, like, afterwards, after a tech survey in Wasetna, going, <laughs> are we really going to film out here in, in the middle of nowhere? And I'm right. like, I really like the house, so yeah.
2: The house was great. Uh,
1: yeah, like, that was it was a- just, it, it's literally the, the perfect storm. Like, nobody had anything going on. Right. And we all just came together to make this happen. And I know when we wrapped, I was I was sitting there at my buddy Sam's place afterwards, going, "I need a place to live now." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, "I need to go back to Vancouver." Like I don't know what I'm gonna do, right? But uh, I have I I I have what I said what what I wanted, mm-hmm. and it was just shocking to me about doing that because I know a lot of a lot of people still are working on a first feature yeah or,
0: and certainly like, not at your age I mean I'm sure it happens but I mean come on
1: yeah like because like I'm a huge fan of Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. and I read uh, Rebel Without a Crew which I consider that to be like the filmmaker's bible okay and I find film school to be an absolute scam okay <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I except like I'm about. I'm gonna eat my words here uh-huh. because I do have an announcement about film school. Okay, okay. <laughs> that I'll be saying, but I'll I'll come back to later sure. on. Sure,
0: it's a scam, but also.
1: Yeah, it's a scam, but it depends on the institute because some of them, <laughs> yeah, some of them just care about turnaround rate rather than sure, than
2: uh, actually teaching
0: students, right?
2: Yeah,
1: it's, it's a perfect storm, and like like with Robert Rodriguez, he made El Mariachi at like I think is like 22 or 23. Wow. With only like eight thousand dollars and by himself,
0: didn't he sell his own blood? Is that true?
1: I have no idea. Like if he that's donated true or blood. Not.
0: I th- Maybe that's like uh, an urban legend.
1: Possibly, but I thought I thought to myself because I just bought the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K with my tax return earlier, like <laughs> earlier that year. Nice. I was thinking I'm not working with film, so it's going to be cheaper. I don't <laughs> have to pay a processing fee. Sure. Um, I just have to basically find a way how to make it work, find a script I can work with mm-hmm. and feed people.
0: <laughs> that's basically it, man. And I do love that camera. That camera was the difference for what, for the budget. Oh. God damn.
1: Oh, that's such a good camera. Yeah. Such a good camera. Like uh, I, I recently had uh, a pleasure of using a pocket 6k pro. Nice. Oh, so good. Oh. So good.
0: There's oh. something about the image. It's, it's, it's filmy, but it's yeah. The way the light falls off. I mean, we could gush about it, but it's, it's we could you, gush
1: about it all day. We could, but what we could truly gush about is the new Ronin.
0: Okay, somebody was telling me about this.
1: Oh. It's a camera, oh. but it's it, a it's a gimbal and a camera, right?
0: And so it has, they, a, yeah. Go ahead, you know more so, about so, it. So,
1: yes, I, I I put my <laughs> name on the reservation list okay. as soon as it was announced. <laughs> I am I'm nerding out about this because it is a full frame sensor, 14 stops of dynamic range. Oh God! That it, yeah, I know, right? I got
0: I got to bring this thing up i got to look bring at Bring it. it
1: up. It has, it, so when you purchase all the goodies with it, it has wireless video transmission built into it. Follow, like the focus motors built in with, has autofocus, has, has a, I forget the exact scientific term for it. It's
0: LiDAR, a, um, isn't it? Yes. What it is has this a thing? LiDAR. What is this thing called?
1: It's the Ronin 4D. 4D. Oh
0: yeah. Holy.
1: And it has a sad. LiDAR. So then that way you can basically have autofocus on any lens. And the thing is, you can, override that focus what the fuck? in real time and it's only like 12 grand for the camera oh and if you my. buy the dji lenses uh that are pre-weighed that weigh like all the same weight you don't have to rebalance your gimbal you just have to throw on a new lens and go
0: look at this and thing
1: it, yeah it, it it's going to change the film industry
0: doesn't that worry you <laughs> it's going to change it for the better <laughs>
1: I think it's going to change it for the better because you can take off handles for focus pulling, put on a separate monitor, monitor, you can have a separate director's monitor all in one with no cables. Like some of this stuff that, wow. like if you watch videos on it and such, that would have changed darker than night one completely. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't have to be written Dolly track. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. No, like that thing. <laughs> I'm buying one. I'll take it to film school with me. I don't care. Nice. Uh, it, it's, it, it just looks like such a good camera. Mm. And from some of my friends who've used it, they're like, yeah, this is a, a game changer.
0: Cause it's like a complete, it's game a, changer. right. It's like an all in one gimbal and camera. Yeah. And it, does it transmit wirelessly?
1: It does. Fuck. It has a built in wireless transmitter. Like, well, you have to buy the separate attachment. You pop it onto the back of the battery plate. Wow. That kind of in between. So there's no wires, no okay. cables.
0: What codec does it shoot in? Does it shoot ProRes or some uh, raw thing? Probably.
1: Uh, let me see, because
0: now we're just fully nerding gushing. out. Gushing, like I, like I said, okay. <laughs> like.
1: And honestly, if the color sensor is good enough, I'm gonna use it for uh, my film that I'm gonna be shooting in Scotland. Like, and, oh, and yeah. the price point too. This for a six K version, it's only like eight
0: thousand five hundred US. Yeah, I'm just. Because, you know, you always know when you're watching a movie and then like that one drone shot or that one GoPro shot sticks out like a sore thumb, you know?
1: It does 6K, 120 frames per second, internal raw recording. Holy fuck. Yeah.
0: But it... Wow. I'm looking at With
1: LiDAR focusing and it's...
0: That LiDAR focus, that's so funny.
1: ISO and...
0: And it can shoot ProRes too.
1: Oh, Yeah. And four-axis stabilization too, so it kind of gets rid of um, like the bumps that even that you'd have with a Steadicam, where previously people would have to build a ramp. Right. Uh, it has a full-blown, uh, I think it's the Z-axis uh, stabilization, oh, so it kind of bumps it. So then right. that way, and you can also lock it to that too, so no matter what, that camera will stay and it'll.
0: Dude. And it wh- has auto
1: tracking and more.
0: I'm blown away. Cinema 4K up to 120 frames a second. I and mean. the
1: second model is, is 8K.
0: <laughs> oh, and 8K. Jeez.
1: They have a 6K version and an 8K version.
0: Man, oh man. Yeah, that is going to change the world though because it's all in one, right? It's everything. It's the camera and the stabilization.
1: Oh, exactly. And also, you can purchase a separate monitor with it for the when you buy the video transmission kit. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm starting to sound like a spokesperson for uh, DJI. Um,
0: <laughs> You're going to be one once you have it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like, it can transmit to multiple multiple monitors. So you have your focus pulling monitor. You have your director's monitor. Right. And say, like, cause, say, like the, D, the DP monitors. You can have just one of those monitors off to the side and still change your iris and everything on the camera right there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, come on.
1: And also for our run and gun gigs, like even for yourself for like for your, your gig work, I'm sure you could see lots of uses for that camera already.
0: Absolutely. People love that moving camera stuff, right? Like you, you throw that and it changes everything.
1: Oh, exactly. And I was watching a demo where it had like the case it came with, mm-hmm. it came with a, its own protective hard case where the camera is already pre-built, essentially. And all you have to do is throw on the handles and a lens and you're good to go.
0: And it's, it's balanced obviously. Cause it's, it knows itself, like
1: yeah. It has has a, has a auto calibration function as well, Fuck. and it also is powered off of um, Inspire batteries instead of V-mount. Um, so you're spending like $120 a battery, and they last for two and a half hours, and they charge in 40 minutes. So if you have Fuck. two or three or even four of them, you're- just on a fast charger, you're fine.
0: You're good. I I just ha- would have to see the footage to see how it holds up. But oh, they
1: released a bunch of demos. Okay. I highly recommend it.
0: Okay, I got to check that out because that's the one thing is like I'm. It's incredible, but you know, how's the footage? Yeah. <laughs> but, it's incredible. Is it 12 but- bit raw? Is it yeah? Is that what we said? Or it's like what? I, I got to pull it up again. This is just great for the viewers, but
1: oh, it has a uh, it has uh, also nine stops of ND filters built in as well.
0: Nine stops.
1: Yeah. Holy fuck. They've An interchangeable amount, so you can uh, you can change the amount from like EF, E, M, D, L, the whole works.
0: Oh, man, they really thought of everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, it's like, okay, uh, I will sell my kidney.
0: <laughs> yes, whatever you need, take it. Yep. I just, man. Well, let's go back to Darker the Night before we completely f- fill our pants on this
1: yeah on the on this camera uh, yeah
0: i <laughs> i I got attached like in like late June we had that skype meeting and it was like why not i sure, yeah. let's do it it sounds like fun and then i I will tell you that that first day of shooting was the worst day of shooting I've ever experienced in my life and but we per- yeah. right like everything went fucking <laughs> wrong everything went-
1: I, yeah finally have it all lit generator goes out right, right. <laughs> like what? Finally,
0: the, <laughs> yeah, finally the idiot DP gets it lit and then the generator goes out and then it's like, oh, I forgot batteries back at the car and the car was like a 10 minute walk and what's his name? Wesley was, you know, like he's a fairly legit actor, right? He's like yeah. standing then around. Like,
1: oh no, fuck. I was so, like, Wes accepted the that role like the night before. Oh wow. Like I was like panicking to find somebody for Dagon and Jarvis is like, I know a guy like we'll toss him some cash and I'm like okay, and then uh-huh. I was just looking at his IMDb. I'm like Nano Two and stuff like. That. I'm like, we're a small set. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I'm like, is he gonna judge me?
0: <laughs> yes. I I'm hope. like, I I I'm did.
1: a, I'm like a depressed like 21 year old man like. <laughs> yeah. During COVID, trying to shoot a movie, like you might think it's a smut
0: film. Who knows? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, And you. Like, deep... Some
1: days it did seem like a por- a porno.
0: <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> And you had the one-man camera department who was, like, working on a rig he'd never worked on before. I mean, we were all swimming early, but we all rose yeah. to the challenge, ultimately.
1: Yeah, we did. Like, we still we still filmed. in um, the cut, it actually it st- cut together pretty good.
0: So, that's all and, you sorry, ask. My, li-
1: my leg just fell asleep.
0: Oh, you need to stand oh, up.
1: And anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like that, that first day, it was just like, everything was going wrong,
2: mm-hmm. but in
1: what I say, darker than night fashion, it turned out for the better. Cause mm-hmm. there were so many things on that shoot that could have went dramatically wrong or did go dramatically wrong, mm-hmm. but we just rose above and right. found a, found replacements and more like, um, oh, man, like it, that first day when all of us pulled into that hotel,
2: <laughs>
1: uh, and the owner was outside smoking, but it was like nobody was there right and i was like yeah we'll just use that as a crew park nobody's there and it right. just so happened that the owner was there when we went and did our thing right but he was so chill right like i'm just like yeah we're filming a movie down there and he's like hey if you need hotels let me know i'll give right. you a like, discounted rate and so that's why we put everybody up in a hotel he gave us i think like i think it was like either 40 or 60 bucks a night or something like that
0: right Right. and I, Right. I remember yeah. watching you guys wheel and deal this guy in the parking lot. I was like, this is perfect.
1: Yeah. And so <laughs> we, we do that. And like, he became like our go-to hotel guy for like the entire shoot. Right. And a- he was just more than happy to help. Right. Like we're like, we need a hotel to film in. And he's like, Hey, use it here. We'll upgrade a suite for you. And
0: well, I know uh, one night <laughs> I stayed in that fucking hot tub suite by myself. Yeah. It was incredible.
1: Yeah. And like, it was just so, so nice. And he was like, yeah, if you need anything else, let me know. And I was like, wow, for us illegally parking in your parking lot, you're sure being kind.
0: Right. But again, COVID, there was no one traveling, no one doing anything. Right. Like
1: yeah, like we made, we made the newspaper.
0: Desperate. Oh yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> we made the, the newspaper and I was just, when I was reading it, like they were hyping me up and I'm just like, the stuff, like, they're just going off my IMDb. Right. And some of these short films have only been in, like, a limited release in certain festivals. Okay. <laughs> or, like, 48-hour festivals or, like, you know, just small ones. Yeah. And they're, like, he's, like, best, like, this director is best known for the, and he's saying, like, they're just saying these things. And they're, like, <laughs> and he also worked on Batwoman on the CW with Ruby Rose. Right. And I'm just, like, um, did you just stock stuff for my IMDb?
2: Right. <laughs> and... Well, yes. And
1: like, when I wanted to make a movie, like, of course, I wanted to shoot it in my hometown because mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez said, like, you know, work with the stuff that you have. Right. And so I was like, all right, I'll work with what I have. But at the same time, I want to make a movie in my hometown. But what they quoted me on in the newspaper is I wanted to make a, a movie in my hometown. And so then the Directors Guild came out and put it on a huge blast email congratulating me for Darker Than Night. Wow. And it even put like my quote up there, which is, I just wanted, wanted to make a movie in my hometown.
0: <laughs> How, when did you join the Director's Guild?
1: I became a, a PA member of the Director's Guild. Because mm. uh, like we have certain memberships, like we have like logbook holder, associate, and then full. Gotcha. Uh, they're kind of like, associate and full are kind of the same, just one cost more and <laughs> you can vote on certain things. So that's about it. Sure.
2: That's um, interesting, man.
1: Yeah, like uh, I became a member of the Directors Guild like three years ago. Okay, and uh, going strong. Uh, I I love them to death. I know they they love me
0: <laughs> clearly. Uh, they have a plaque in your honor, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> What's the yeah? Like yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, like they they put it on. Like they put the email on blastboat darker than night. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as it hit the Drayton Valley newspaper, <laughs> and I'm just like. Okay, so they think we're a big movie now, apparently. Right.
0: Wait till they uh, see.
1: Yeah, I was like, wait till they see a $10,000 movie. Right.
0: <laughs> Although when the journalist came to the farmhouse set and you were like getting lowered down from the fucking front end lower. Oh, yeah, I from mean, the- <laughs> it probably looked like a pretty big decent <laughs>
1: Yeah, like probably, <laughs> but if they knew what was going on where it was just that tractor like lifted up with a, a crate and I was tied around the crate thing oh, with God. a pulley, right? that's probably not safe. Well, honestly, actually, they tested it. It was safe. And I have seen like rigs like that. It's probably just like we use special like cranes and lifts mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Right. But in Alberta, you work with what you got and you a tractor is it. good.
0: Tractor is good.
1: Like remember the wire day we did?
0: At the, the, warehouse? the uh, warehouse? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, where literally just playing around with wires. They didn't tell me about that. Oh We scheduled that other that extra day, just because when Martin and the team showed up, they're like, "Yeah, we brought some goodies too." I'm like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "They just Martin just pulled out a thing of like wires and things." Like, we got wires. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did that turn out? Like, I haven't seen it in quite some time. The movie.
1: I, I, it turned out pretty good. Uh, I'm. I'm retweaking the beginning now because we're, we're in post sound for it Okay. and visual effects is happening, but I'm not quite too happy with the intro yet. And I wanted to get a few other people's opinions. Mm. Uh, Like, I feel like it kind of needs to be a bit a little bit more fast paced uh, to keep up with the rest of the pacing of the film. Okay. Because like I was doing a test of it where I'd check to see how long it take for me to check my phone. Oh, interesting. And so then that's kind of where I'm like, all right, this is where the audience may lose traction is right. this time. So I'd mark down all the times and I'd ask myself questions like, hey, like, how can I tighten this up so like it's more interesting? Mm-hmm. What kind of cue, visual cues can I give? And part part of me was like, I kind of have to live with some of the stuff because yep. you know, new filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, but uh the fight stuff, some of it turned out good, some of it turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because like, you know, we're all going under like severe time restraints and stress, especially middle, middle of the pandemic, no pay. You guys out at like three in the morning out in the middle of nowhere in Alberta, (laughs) I'm not going to complain. You know, I had, I had a great time making the film with you guys and just learning. And I'm just happy that you guys were there, you know, holding me up and supporting me through one of my darkest times and just helping me, you know, bring this movie to life. Like, I, it, it does not look like it was made for 10 grand. So that's what I'm, I'm happy about.
0: Beautiful. Well, I mean, besides that first day, I think all my memories of that set are, are happy memories. I think <laughs> like making Some it of the best times, right? Like again, yeah, it'll, it'll probably look like what it is in the end, but the, the experience of doing it was almost more important. I would say than the actual, you know what I mean? The production was the, was the important thing.
1: Yeah. Like the, the story behind it is honestly incredible. Mm-hmm. like uh, when I tell people about it like yeah well, I made this feature called darker than night and then they're like how did you make it and I'm like okay the story behind it is a bit more in depth <laughs> and so like I, I go on and like you know COVID hitting and all that
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and it's just like so you went out knowing like not knowing what was next or like only had a certain amount of money in your bank account and had a, <laughs> had a dream and you went out and did it I'm like I did, but yeah. I couldn't have done it without the amazing cast and crew that I had. Yeah. Like, honestly, still, I'd consider you guys the dream team. Like, even when it got tough, some of the nights or things didn't go as planned, we all kind of would laugh it off and go, all right, let's keep shooting. What what, what else do we need to do? Right. Or when things got, uh, things got tough, I'd be like, hey, Pat. Whoa, nice cock.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, I forgot about that. Ugh.
1: Nice cock. Oh, nice cock. And, and, then, and Courtney, <laughs> Courtney got really good at that. She though.
0: did. Strangely yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Strangely good. Where I'd be like, oh, nice cock. And it's like, what?
0: Shouts out to Courtney. She, she's she got the right attitude for those sets, man. Just roll with Courtney it. Courtney is great. Absolutely. Oh, same
1: with Chris. Just like Chris. everybody was just. Uh, I, I still remember when we are out in Wasetna. Mm-hmm. And we had, uh, you know, like Jarvis, Mike, and I shared that trailer.
0: Oh, yeah. At the mayor's at the, house. At whatever. the mayor's house. Jesus. Yeah. I, I couldn't bring myself. I, I drove home. I was like, I, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let those I guys sitting, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was laying in, in the small bunk bed. And I was so excited that I could say to myself, like, I'm going to be in my trailer. Oh, and then it's just like, yeah, so I was just in a small bunk bed. Yeah. And, like, wake up in the morning doing all the prep. And I'm just like, you know what? This is fun. This is, I'm I'm happy with this.
0: This is a sweet life, man. That was that was a perfect couple of weeks, I got to say.
1: It it, it was it's pretty good, but like once we wrapped, I was just like oh, what do I do now? Right. Like I got to we got to throw this together and like we we've been putting right. it together together and more. And I just started learning about so much more in post. Oh yeah. So much more. I
0: bet. That's when you have some oh shit moments, huh?
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, oh shit. Oh shit. Can we can we add that in like post? Can we just do yeah. that? Okay, it's gonna stretch resolution.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> can the can the colorist make it nighttime?
1: Yes. Yes, he can. He can. He can. Right, you he told can. me he
0: did.
2: <laughs> he can. There he was can. that one scene that's oh, good.
0: the <laughs> the fight started at night and the the fucking sun is up and we're getting the last few shots. It's like, I don't know how in this is gonna work.
1: In the cut it actually worked. Because it's it, it was like a new beginning at the end too. It That's worked cool. Very well poetically too. One song that we wanted for for that end scene was "Way Down We Go" by Callio, because it fit it so perfectly. Right. Uh, like right now, uh, when like the other day when I was with um, uh, Motion Beach Sound doing okay. our post our post sound work, uh, we were like doing the beginning with Dagon. And I'm like, yeah, because like I want it to feel like somewhat like a horror movie as well, you know, like Mm. for the entrances, the demons, and like just that odd ambience. Right. And I'm like, what would like a Halloween style sound for Dagon be? Like, you know, like the classic John like John Carpenter Halloween. Mm -hmm. And he starts playing like his own version of it. And then we start doing like tweaking it. And we got like this amazing Dagon piano creepy theme. We started adding some different orchestra instruments into it. And it was just like a moment of this is on a whole new level than what I thought. And like when that music just hit, I'm like, this is exciting. Cause like some of the notes I gave was one of my friends pointed out to me, uh, a little storytelling note in how to train your dragon with the music. And so I was inspired by that where <laughs> Hiccup and to- Toothless's themes at first clash against each other. Okay. But during the movie, when they become like one together as dra- dragon and dragon rider, mm-hmm their themes play in harmony.
2: Ah, wow.
1: And, and so for Logan and Lucifer, while they clash, even though they still have that love story arc, right. when that love is still re, like reignited in there and you can feel that their themes play together rather than clash.
0: And that might even affect the viewer subconsciously, right? Like someone with a trained ear might notice that, but you, know, you may just hear that and not understand why you're feeling what you're feeling.
1: Yeah, it's just, like, it's just like camera movement, like when you and I would be on the slider, and I'd be like tapping your shoulder um, during a moment, like, going, 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 going. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like slightly, slightly, Stop, stop yeah, slow, slow, yeah. slow.
0: Slow down, you fuck. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Pat, 24 mil, <laughs> slider. <laughs>
0: oh, boy, here we go again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Pat, this looked great, but you know what it'd look great on? A 24 mil on a slider.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Here we go again, Matt, get the slider. What I oh. one one shot I remember was in the farmhouse where we remember we tracked off the was it the kettle on the stove and then we went into the scene. Yeah. Still think about that to this day.
1: That was a beautiful shot. I <laughs> still remember some of the shots that we did where I'd be telling you like yeah we're going to do go from here pan up go here then go here and you're looking at me like are you crazy then like that one shot where logan was passed out on the table and then like we follow him back up and it revealed ariel and like everything yeah it was, beautifully it was sweet like yeah like i remember you going okay and then during the rehearsal both of us together like yep
0: yep, yep. i see it but there's so, yeah.
1: there so many cool tracking shots we did like when ariel came out and like i would open up the curtain a bit see logan standing there and like the camera pulled back and revealed them both there right. talking and
0: That's what it's all about, right? Like you actually posted something on Instagram recently about show, don't tell. Was that you that posted that?
1: Yes, it was. That book was given to me by Christopher Russell.
0: Okay. And that's really it with, I'm going to sound pretentious, but that is it with cinema, right? It's like those camera movements are for a reason, but it's to reveal information in a fluid movement, right? You don't have to cut, you don't have, people don't have to say shit. Let the camera tell the story.
1: Exactly. And that's also what, uh, They teach in screen and screenwriting in a lot of schools here in Vancouver is Hmm. no one to show, no one to tell. Right. Like, would it be more important to the story for you to write that flashback scene or reference it?
0: Hmm. Right. Because the audience doesn't necessarily want to be beaten over the head with details, right? Like, they want to sort of figure it out a little bit themselves.
2: Oh,
1: exactly. Like, I think that's also where Star Wars kind of took off, in my opinion,
0: Hmm.
2: where
1: like a lot of the lore on how it's built up like you know the original movies came out and then some other stuff but we didn't really know much about this universe hmm. and so like a lot of it was left up to the viewer in their mind to try to guess what was going on but when they started releasing the new like like the clone wars and sure. the prequel series and everything they're like because before it was like how did anakin skywalker become darth vader i like, never this knew so people, exactly and people just kept like you know thinking about it in their head and and whatnot, but then when this new content came out, they started connecting it. Going, oh, that's why, and then they just started taking all uh-huh. you know, all the cinema and material, and going with their fan theories and whatnot as well, and just they kept expanding that world and building it.
0: Right, and now forty years later, they've revealed everything.
1: Yes, and uh, <laughs> remember, episode nine, the beginning, oh, literally the opening crawl, worst writing of all time. Somehow, Palpatine has returned.
0: <laughs> Somehow, it's like you. What do you mean, somehow? You tell me.
1: The last two movies, building up this big bad guy that died in the last one in two seconds, and then it's like, all right, somehow Palpatine has returned, and everything that Luke and Anakin did in the last, like, eight movies doesn't matter because Palpatine has returned.
0: (laughs) Now, you're a huge Star Wars fan. Has Star Wars jumped the shark, so to speak? Has it gone too far, or is is there still something to be hoped for there?
1: (laughs) There's a fan theory out there. Like, I'm such a Star Wars fan where I even got like a Star Wars tattoo. Oh, right. Like I got like the full blown.
0: What is that symbol again?
1: That's the Mandalorian crest.
0: Right, right, right. And it says,
1: never give up in Arabesh. Uh, It's a good slogan. Yeah, I hope that's right. Or the translator I used is completely wrong and it's saying something stupid like I (laughs) want soup.
0: Can you imagine? (laughs) I like soup.
1: I was scared, like so. I got this tattoo. I'm like, yeah, nobody knows how to read arabish, Like, I'll be fine. And then I was on TikTok, and I seen a bunch of videos of girls teaching themselves arabish, like attractive girls teaching themselves this language. And I'm like, what? I have to worry about what my tattoo says now? Yeah. Fuck. It, is that a
0: star? That's a, a Star Wars language. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, it, it, George Lucas went back in the original trilogy like during like 2005 and did like a recut of it mm-hmm. and he replaced all of the words in it with Arabish because originally it was all in english oh and so they cgi'd in arabesh so in that way it looked alien and like from another world wow. so then that way kind of also put a damper on all the office like imperial officers being british
0: <laughs> right, right, right that was always kind of odd they, right?
1: like literally all the bad guys are british
0: right yeah, okay. So what's the what's this fan theory that you are going to tell me?
1: Oh, yeah. So the fan theory is with the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, the Acolyte, like all these other, you know, new Star Wars content media, mm-hmm. since it's being done so well, so well, and the sequel trilogy is handled just poorly, mm-hmm. that uh, it might be setting up for a new sequel tr- uh, trilogy. Oh, you think? A reboot of it. A reboot? Yeah. And they're just going to retcon 7, 8, and 9.
0: That wouldn't, I mean, that's not a bad, because those were bad, weren't they?
1: So bad. Seven, I've seen 33 times in the theater. What? Yeah, 33 times.
0: Which one is seven?
1: Uh, The Force Awakens.
0: Right. Right.
1: It got to a point where they're giving me buy two tickets, get one free.
0: 33 times you've seen it?
1: 33 times. I'd go every time they had a movie deal. Sometimes it'd be like on Tuesdays, the $10 Tuesdays, I'd go to every single showing. (laughs) just to break down what could happen next sure. and who Snoke was. Sure. Then episode eight came out and I almost walked out of the theater.
0: Was that the one where they showed Yoda like burning that library down? Yeah. That's where they lost and, me, man.
1: And they, and they rescued some space horses <laughs> and went to the casino.
0: and I did see that. Holy God. And I don't think Luke I saw Skywalker him. died. Did he?
1: Yeah, so he there was like this huge force projection with Kylo Ren, and he was like fighting him. Right. I was like, yeah. Guess what? I wasn't here the entire time. And then he died from that, and I'm like,
0: Mother, what? So what? What happened at what? nine? Then I don't think I even saw nine.
1: Palpatine returned.
0: Right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so they had to take down Palpatine.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Turned out, big plot twist: Ray is a Palpatine. Oh. Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter.
0: Oh boy.
1: And so he's like, strike me down and become Empress Palpatine. And then Kylo ends up turning back to the the, the light side <laughs> and really? sacrifices Yeah, and sacrifices his life for uh Rey.
0: And they kissed.
1: They kissed for some reason. Oh, they good. kissed.
0: That's classic Star Wars.
1: Yeah, they they literally it was just like, all right. Then they smooch and they're like why? Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, ugh. and then all, so Palpatine throughout like the entire movie is like, "Strike me down, fulfill your destiny." And then at the end of the movie, she's just like ignites her lightsaber and everything and kills him. But she's doing it in like the name of the Jedi and like Luke, Ahsoka, and a bunch of the other Jedi like possess her to like give her enough power to take Palpatine down once and for all.
2: Right. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I'm like,
1: so she because the Jedi possess her and she changed her mind about her allegiance. Palpatine didn't win, but she did exactly what he wanted her to.
0: <laughs> it makes it's no not, sense.
1: Yeah, all I could think of was Han Solo from Episode 7 going, that's not how the, for, how the Force works.
0: Right.
1: And they kind of just, like, <laughs> it was great. like, what the heck? And then plus Luke. They, they did Luke so dirty, like, he showed up as, like, a Force ghost.
2: Right. In and the, I... Uh...
1: I was just like, what is, what is going on here? Like it, it kind of just, it was just bad, man. It was just bad. Like I love Mark Hamill's reaction when he got the episode seven script and he posted it on uh, Twitter. I wish I would have taken that seriously at that time Oh wow! because he said, I just got the episode seven script. I'm speechless. And wow. I didn't really, I thought it like, oh, the script's so good. He had no words, <laughs> but he had no dialogue.
2: That's <laughs> he hilarious.
0: Had no dialogue. <laughs> I'm speechless. Literally. Yeah. Fuck. So, but then that's interesting because as bad as those were, like The Mandalorian was pretty incredible, right?
1: Yes. Did you watch it?
0: Part, oh, I didn't get through it.
1: Oh, season two? So good. I cried. I literally <laughs> cried during one of the last episodes. I was jumping up and down all excited. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like, I'm not sure how much you know about it.
0: I don't know. But not they're much.
1: like, they had this. I'm not going to, I'm trying I'm going to try not to spoil it.
0: Yeah, spoil it. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know if I can.
0: Okay. Don't spoil Fine. it. Fine.
1: Fine. Spoiler warning.
0: All right. Spoiler warning, folks.
1: Spoiler warning for uh, the last episode of The Mandalorian in season two. If you haven't seen it already. Um, yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're on, like, Moff Gideon's ship trying to fight for the child to get the child back. Mm. And they call in for resistance reinforcements. Like, in the previous few episodes, the child reached out using the force to a Jedi.
2: Hmm. Oh.
1: And like Ahsoka, Ahsoka was there, and like she was like, I can't train him, uh, but there's other Jedi's out there. And so we're like, okay, cool. And like a lot of us are thinking, I can't be Luke because you know, Mark Hamill's pretty old, right? Um, right. he called, they like they, the child called for backup, a Jedi reached out. So there's this huge fight scene where they have the dark troopers, which I was freaking out about because like. <laughs> Dark Forces from 1999 and Kyle Katarn, I was like, oh, are oh, we going to see yeah. Kyle Katarn? I'm like, what if Kyle Katarn is the one that's going to rescue the child? Like, I will freak
2: out. Because
1: <laughs> even Ahsoka earlier on, it was just like, she was interrogating someone. And she's like, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? And I'm like, we're going to see Thrawn? We're <laughs> going to see Thrawn in live action? But, so, uh-huh. the child called for reinforcements. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And all we hear is, like, one of the characters just goes, like, a single X-Wing? We're going to need more than that. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden, a green lightsaber with a hood comes on and, like, goes through all the Death Troopers, like, just, like, nothing. And it's like, what is going on? And the door is open, a bunch of fog, hood comes off, Luke Skywalker, like, Full-blown Mark Hamill, like That's... de-aged and everything, and R2D2 oh, wow. comes up behind him, and yes. they like hand him the child and everything to complete, like the, like he's gonna go train with Luke at the new Jedi Academy. And I was just like, "That's amazing!" And then part of me went, "Didn't Kylo Ren kill all of the students?" <laughs> right? Is there anybody <laughs> left? <laughs> I'm like, "Didn't he kill all the students later on?" Then right. I'm like, "Is the child gonna get murdered?" Oh, by Kylo? I
0: see. Right. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's but, kind of that's kind that's of dark.
1: Also, yeah, that's where my fury also comes into play too. Where if they're trying to reboot it, they have the perfect opportunity because now they're building the the good ba- like groundwork for Luke's new Jedi Academy.
0: Okay, I'm. I mean, as little as I know, I, I can get on board with that.
1: Yeah, like and the Ahsoka series is awesome. Hayden Christensen is reprising his role as Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Uh, that was confirmed a few days ago. That's cool. Uh, the Kenobi series is going to be great. I hope we get Clone Wars flashbacks. That'd be <laughs> cool.
0: Are we going to get Ewan McGregor? Probably not.
1: In Kenobi? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably in some in some way, right?
1: Well, he's 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 already here. They already announced him as the as Obi Wan. Oh, like they're, they're filming it right now. Oh, Hayden Christensen is returning as Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader.
2: Okay. Do. And,
1: and uh, yeah, and. The Mandalorian Season 3 is going to begin filming, I believe, in December. I know, that, I know there's lots of drama going on with The Last of Us because of that, because like, you know they both have to share Pedro Pascal.
0: Oh, he's in demand. Right, 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 right. You didn't get on any of those sets?
1: No, I wish. I wish. There was a rumor going around that I was on the Book of Boba Fett. Oh, uh- wow,
0: well, okay. <laughs> we should talk about that, you son of a bitch, because you got, you got me. You got a lot of people, actually, I think.
1: We, we duped over like literally, it was like over 3,000 people. Really? Yeah. I was I was on Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and it was, it was just hitting April 1st. And I was bored in background holding since I was one of the background uh, wranglers. Right. And I'm like, got to do a good prank this year. Got to, just got to do one. And my friend James just got done telling me about a story of what he'd tell people of when they're filming. Mm hmm uh just because like sometimes you go oh it's a mayonnaise commercial and some people would walk by and they're like this is so cool then he's they're, then they're like what is it and he's like oh have you heard of star wars they're like yeah and they'd get all excited and you're like yeah it's not that
0: oh that's <laughs> dirty <laughs> have like, you heard of star the,
1: the joke i played on somebody earlier that day when they were watching because we were doing like an explosion
0: mm-hmm.
1: i was like yeah it's a mayonnaise commercial and like oh you see all these armored vehicles going downtown <laughs> and more and then a car exploded I'm like, it's a spicy mayonnaise
0: commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and they believed you or no?
1: They're like, oh, and I kept walking. Wow. But I was like, I oh. need a good, I'm like, I need a, I need a good, I need a good, I need something good. Right. Something that people won't believe on April 1st. Like just something you over the top. So I made the Book of Boba Fett announcement, you know, saying that I directed an episode. And I was, <laughs> wasn't expecting anybody to fall for it i couldn't even sleep man i couldn't my phone was going off wow. every single moment from people sharing it more and i'm like okay and it's like i wrapped at like 5 a.m i didn't sleep i was like how could i make this better
0: right. so i went yeah.
1: i went through the star wars entertainment tonight interviews
0: okay this was this was impressive
1: and i i looked at i looked at the footage from it I cut up a, a like a fake little trailer for an interview, watched how they start an episode and end an episode and their trailers and more. And I sat there, I was gonna use my black magic to color match and everything, but I'm like, nope, because they're doing it over Zoom, so it'd be kind of shitty yep. and stuff like that. So I pulled out my MacBook, recorded it on my MacBook, threw it in Vinci, resized it, put in the logo, like right. went through all this work, did all the sound mixing, sound effects, and put out a trailer for an entertainment tonight interview. And then it started going more and more haywire. Right. And I'm like, people are eating this up fast. Like there's people wanting to do podcasts with me, news articles. I, I was
0: one of them. I, that's when I bought in. I was like, I got to get you on the podcast. You're like, okay.
1: There's still, so there's, st- when you look up Braden Langford, star Wars, uh-huh. or even just my name, some you'll see on certain websites, it still says that I directed the book of Boba Fett oh my God. to this day. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, like we did the, I did the, the fake interview and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, how could I make this better? Cause at this point it's like 9am and my call time's around 3pm. Right. So I'm like, I have some time to, to kill and make this better. Right. So I went and got fake crew swag made. Uh, I got a fake hoodie with the book of Boba Fett logo though. And it's a director on the side. And so I took photos of that. I'm like, yeah, since now I'm officially allowed to announce it. Like this is my crew swag. And I had a few of my friends buy in on it, like help me with it and share it and go no, like this is real. And I'm like with my Mandalorian tattoo, some people don't know that I had it. (laughs) I was like, so I was like, I even got a tattoo to commemorate when I directed the episode.
0: God almighty. Uh, I remember you said something about like, thanks to George Lucas for being so welcoming or something like that.
1: Thanks to George Lucas, John Favreau and Dave Filoni for being so welcoming with me coming into the universe, giving me this opportunity, especially with how young I am. And people kept posting about it on Facebook, sharing it, tagging me. Uh, there's people from Entertainment Weekly messaging me saying congrats. Wow. I had one of my buddies who used to work at like Lucasfilm message me saying congrats. And then like <laughs> an hour later, he was like, "You're lying because you would have said hi to me if you were in LA." Well,
0: okay, maybe, <laughs> and, maybe.
1: Yeah, and then I got fan art that same day, and I was just like,
2: Really? Why? Oh Yeah, no.
1: yeah that, exactly. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then when I, when I posted the fake trailer the next day that I took clips from a Star Wars fan film and posted it on my Instagram and ended it with a rick roll, I got so many death threats. <laughs> I got a bunch of death threats. And some people still didn't know that it was a joke. Even after I released the fake trailer, my statement saying it was fake and thanking everybody for having faith in me, thinking that I could actually do it, like it really meant a lot. Like I was on set for Firefly Lane oh. on Netflix and there's a few people going, didn't you direct Star Wars? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. It was a joke. And my, my, my girlfriend, she told her dad. Oh, no. Yeah. And her dad's like a Netflix producer. Oh, Right. Like, he's, he's a producer of Chicken Run 2. And, like, so Chicken he two. so he, so he was asking me, like, oh, I was Star Wars. And everything. I'm like, that was a joke.
0: Oof. It did, was it, a, did it go too it, far?
1: I, I think it went a little too far. But the thing was, it's like I announced there was a joke and everything. Right. And, like, I just made those few posts. But it was these, like like as bad as this sounds and I love everybody for this because I feel so loved, but I also feel so bad about it. Well, people going, yeah, like this kid can do it. Like he can do it. I'm like everyone just sharing and having all this love and support. I'm like,
0: uh that's, I mean, you fooled me, but I was never like, I was never like, well, he couldn't do that. I was like, well, he probably could do that.
1: Yeah. I got, I got a phone call from a, a good friend uh, here in Vancouver. Who is just like congratulations? I don't know how you did it, but wow! And they're like, if and even if this is the most elaborate April Fools' prank of all time, congrats because wow.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, like recutting that trailer. Like when, when I saw that, I, it looked very. It was you nailed it, like because you had the host. And I did not cut, sleep. You, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like I did the cutaways and I showed right. like some footage from like the book, like from Mandalorian season two and. Right. Like even through the Lucasfilm logo, like it was insane. Like when, when my buddy from like, who used to work for Lucasfilm messaged me about it, I was like, Oh no. Uh-oh. Cause Lucasfilm has my phone number. They, <laughs> I, I had a, I had a phone call with them one time because somebody was selling call sheets and props from episode eight oh,
0: before really? it came out. Interesting.
1: And so I kind of reported them just as an AD for myself. I'm like, cause first of all, nobody likes their contact information being sold online. That's, and kind of leaked out. That's fair. That was, like, the biggest thing. I don't care about stolen props on set. Like, I have lots of stolen props. I wouldn't say stolen. Okay. Some are given. You want Do you want to like, rephrase like, that? Like, that chair right there is from the TV series Mech X4 on Disney. That was, like, one of the main character's chairs.
0: Yeah. what? What is that back there? I, I didn't see it. I saw it when you stood up at the start of the episode.
1: Oh, so... So this is kind of, it's like a mech chair. There we go. I have like my production office set up over there. It's like a full blown like mech chair. It looks kind of fancy, but like when you take stuff off of it, like that's a, uh, oh, this is so weird. Uh, Like that is a uh, Roy's printer ink container. Oh, really? That's a sprinkler. Uh, These are the uh, dish soap, like our bathroom soap, like container things from the dollar store. Sure. And, like, there's bits of Lego on there and, like, a computer motherboard. It's literally just slapped together.
0: looks pretty good, I mean, from here.
1: Yeah, like, I have so many props, it's kind of crazy. Like, especially screen-used ones. Like, I have one from, like, I have some stuff from a TV show I worked on called You, Me, Her on HBO. Mm. I worked on it for two seasons. They put my, like, my name on posters and stuff like that, even though I was just a PA. And my name's at the end of the credits in every episode of season five.
0: Nice. Nice. And I'm
1: like, What? I'm like, I'm just a PA and you guys are giving me credit and in the end crawl, like that's amazing.
0: But doesn't everybody get in the end crawl? No. Really? I guess PAs usually don't, huh?
1: PAs usually don't. Like on Batwoman, for an example, they only would credit our first assistant director and second assistant director. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get credited. Our trailer through wouldn't get credited and our, our trainee wouldn't get credited.
0: Well, I mean, there's only so much room, right? But what's that about, though, really?
1: Like, uh, what do you mean?
0: Like, why wouldn't they credit everybody who put hours into this project?
1: I don't know. Like, I know it's up to the producers just a discretion a lot mm. of the time. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I, like Batwoman was, was a good, uh, it was a mixed experience. I'd say it was good and bad. The mm. reason why I'd say bad is just because, like, it, the hours were horrible. Oh. But like some of the memories I had on that show were, were fantastic. And uh, when COVID hit and like, we all lost our jobs just like that.
2: Right.
1: Uh, Bert Lanty literally sent us all an email through his attorney and told us, Hey, I don't want you guys to worry. This is a weird time for all of us. If you need any money, let me know. And we'll, we'll get you sorted out so you can cover the bills.
0: Wow. Yeah. They didn't have to do that.
1: No, no, he no, he didn't. And so I, massive respect for him, for him for that like it's just like going out of your way to offer like money to crew members who just lost their job due to a pandemic that's that's huge
0: is that show still going
1: batwoman yes season 3 um i actually I, i'm not sure when this episode is airing like of, of this podcast but i worked on an episode that is airing next week called the lesson from professor pig nice. i was an i was an ad on that episode
0: This will probably come out sometime next week.
1: Okay, well, check out Batwoman on on Wednesday. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Shout out out to uh, my buddy, uh, Cameras Johnson, who plays Luke Fox. Nice. Awesome guy.
0: Is there another story about Batwoman we should be talking about?
1: Oh, boy. Everyone's probably seen the news about Ruby Rose. About Ruby. Good old Ruby. Whatever you want to
0: say about that. So
1: I'm not sure how much I can say. Because I'm also under NDAs.
0: Sure. Uh, Keep it real. But, Keep it real.
1: So, some things that happened on set, like the hours were were terrible, still are. But like our standard in in Canada is twelve hour filming days.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, twelve hours, and that's not including our pre calls. Like for me as an ad, I'd show up an hour and a half before and leave about an hour and a half afterwards. So I'm I'm usually doing fifteen hours a day. Okay. But so if we go into overtime or anything like that. 16, 17, 18 like longest shift I done was 22 hours.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. That's brutal.
1: Um but yeah, like with Ruby coming out and telling like some of these stories from her point of view and her perspective. Like I'm sure there's drama going on behind the scenes higher up that like, you know, I don't know about. Mm-hmm. I had to mark down every time she was late. Uh like I'm I was literally that person who had to call our other ADs going like she's late by this much and like, I'd talk to her production manager and producers about it hmm. because it's it putting us behind. Like, I'm sure there's drama going on above. Like, I know some of the stuff that, like, how she was treated from the higher ups, from some of the emails she released a few days ago. Like, it's horrible. Hmm. But at the same time, she wasn't the nicest person to some of our crew members. Oh. Like, to me personally, like, sometimes she'd be, she'd be good sometimes she'd be sassy but like her, her and i had some good times like we'd play some pranks on each other like we'd always do like that like you know that game sure, like, yeah. down, right right where and i like it was a we were filming in a mannequin factory and i put in a fake mannequin hand and <laughs> i funny. pretended to drop it in the green room so <laughs> she went funny. down to pick it up and then i i just went like that and she's like
0: no motherfucker
1: <laughs> like there, there's some <laughs> good funny. moments with, with yeah. ruby too like okay. we had we had a a, a little girl with uh Like with disabilities, come to set one time and it's like a night shoot. So this is like 2 a.m. Wow! And like we had this little girl come by and uh, just because she was like a fan of the show and stuff like that. And Ruby came out, talked to her, took photos with her, and everything. Like I I do believe that this this thing is being blown out of proportion a bit. Uh, Like I know Camerist is like he's a very nice guy. Same with same with DuGray and Mm -hmm. like some of the stuff that's coming out. It's ridiculous like my buddy alex uh, one of his articles that uh, like he was interviewed for went like all across everywhere like entertainment weekly the whole works
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: his article like they titled his article like um like his interviewed article or whatever it was that uh, ruby rose is a dictator <laughs> and so ruby uh like him and i were talking about it because like yeah sometimes she would say some pretty rude stuff and like some people like oh is it because you're Canadian I'm like no sometimes it was genuinely like you're a douche (laughs) Uh, but at the same time like I I can't imagine the stress that she was in in her position because I know she she does have some like health problems Hmm. that's like the bat suit wouldn't be too comfortable and like because she had surgery and a bunch of other stuff right so like not not giving it as an excuse to treat crew members in certain ways but um but still like all that all that builds up but like Alex poor Alex because I was I was talking to him about him like how are things going any backlash yet and I'm like he's like no not yet and then we seen Ruby's instagram right and then I sent him the lord of the rings meme going so it begins because she started tagging him in a bunch of stuff and like, she's like, you never PA'd on the show. I just went through all the call sheets and I don't see your name on it.
0: See that that's weird. That's a weird thing to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And like the thing is, <laughs> I got in a huge argument with somebody about this. Cause they're like, Oh, well they're like, how do we know you worked on it? And I'm like, look on IMDB. It doesn't matter. Cause she also called them out saying you're not even credited on IMDB. It's like, you, that's not how IMDB works. <laughs> um, but, like, the thing is about it, eh. for our PA, some days we have, like, 20 or 40 additional PAs for depending on the shoot. Oh, wow. And so it'll have only our Directors Guild of Canada keys. So we have our three key PAs. Mm-hmm. Those are usually – and then an additional PA. Those are the only ones who are listed on the call sheet usually. And then it says add an additional nine or ten PAs.
0: Okay. What? yeah, so there you go right there.
1: Yeah, so it's like, okay, and, like, she was just, like, Kind of kind of being like a bit of a dick to him in the DMs and like calling him out on on Instagram in front of her 17 and a half million followers. And then I kind of stepped up a bit on Instagram as well and tagged her, going, He was on set, because him and I had some great conversations together and more. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm just getting a bunch of views on my story, and I'm just like,
0: Uh oh "Oh, man.
1: Oh (laughs) man. Oh no.
0: This is the book of Boba Fett all over again.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm like (laughs) Okay, and then I start going through screen- like the other screenshots she posted, and then she she starts naming Warren, the first AD I worked for, Eddie, the second AD I worked for, Nick, our other third AD, Elise, our trainee. And I'm like, okay, and I start going through, I'm like, there's nothing about me.
0: <laughs> Yet. Oh.
1: But like, the other ADs, like, it was, it was like, some, like, some of the stuff for like, Elise and Nick and everything was positive. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay. And then not mentioning me, I was like, that means I didn't do anything bad. Uh,
0: <laughs> right. It seems but, like a lot of unnecessary drama, you know?
1: Yeah, there is like, I, I do hope that like we can get some better work hours. Cause some days it it sucks so bad. Like I'd be getting off at like eight or 9am on a Saturday and be going back to work at 6am on Monday. Jeez. And like, just because they're Wonder brothers, they can pay for it. Right. Like, uh, on a on a right. show like that like an ad like a third ad i was making around like almost 2 grand a week nice like that, that, that's some pretty good cash but at the same time i was like barely home had no life
0: right you're killing it was yourself
1: just, yeah it, it it was it was like that was my that was my uh my life mm-hmm. yeah i got to eat lunch in the bat cave like that was cool <laughs> that's cool and all right, right?
2: That
0: was pros like and cons first,
1: when I, when I first walked into the Batcave, cave, I started crying. <laughs> well, I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did like, the, it, did the IATSE strike, uh, not strike, but the renegotiation affect you guys at all or no?
1: No. So, cause we're part of the BC like union of film workers or something like that. Oh, okay. And so like we're under our whole different collective agreements with okay. AMPTP. Gotcha. The Directors guild ex- uh, agreement expired back in March. Of twenty
0: twenty one. Oh, so you guys? We're are working
1: just... off our old agreement right now. Ah, we're still in negotiations. Oh, really? I'm not sure how much more I can say after that, but uh, I know I know Ayatsi is like a lot of. I I made a comment on Twitter earlier about <laughs> IATSI because they just released a thing in the state saying, yeah, like all your local heads are encouraging you guys to vote yes on this new agreement, right. and that new agreement is bullshit. <laughs> it, it's so bad they're basically giving the same working conditions as right. in canada right and the canadian working conditions aren't that great either 12 <laughs> hour camera days, like they're basically they're it's not that good um so <laughs> they're like trying to convince their members to vote yes because all the all the comments on facebook twitter everywhere is like i'm voting no i'm voting no and they're like yeah like vote they're, they're now i ask come in like yeah vote yes like all your heads are saying like this is the best deal i'm like so you're gaslighting your members yeah. to vote for this.
0: <laughs> well, sounds like and, a union.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a feeling that it's going to be a huge no. Right. They're going to have to redo a contract. It's like here in BC, we're still negotiating our contracts. Mm. And I have a feeling if our contracts don't come to an agreement, we're all going to go on strike. Because uh, right now, like even when you break it down, even a, like PAs now are being paid 300 bucks a day, which, yeah, that sounds good. But when you break it down with taxes and everything, like my deductions on Batwoman, I was getting deducted. Like, yeah, I was making two grand a week. Seven hundred dollars was deducted.
2: Right. And it was
1: like, okay. So I was based yeah, and when I was breaking it down, like working fifteen hours a day, five days a week, sometimes six days a week, Mm -hmm. I was making just a little bit above minimum wage.
0: Wow. And wasn't that a pretty big contention of the IATSE negotiation? Was those work hours?
1: Yeah, it was. And turnaround times. Like for the right. Directors Guild of Canada, uh, I'm only required from my wrap time to my start time to have nine hours off. Wow.
2: That's... But if they
1: want if they want me in sooner, they have to pay me, I think it's like either triple or six times my hourly rate until I'm out of turnaround. Hmm. So say like I'm they I only get eight hours, they have to pay me an hour at like it'd be like sixty bucks an hour or whatever. Hmm for that only that one hour and then i'm back on my day rate
0: and these huge freaking studios can afford to do it right
1: yeah they they can easily afford to do it uh i've, I've been on some shows where they're like yep see you in like five hours and Ugh. i'm like five hours Fuck okay that. uh like i've been on shows where we work six days in a row but mm-hmm. i love those days because they pay me double my day rate sure <laughs> double like it was it, it's crazy like it's like you know what I'd like to have today off, but making like a thousand dollars today, I'm not going to say no.
0: Right. But man, that's, that's tough though. Right. Because if you're, if you're physically well enough to do it, maybe you should just do it, but not, maybe not everybody can really afford to live that way.
1: Yeah. Like, um, uh, it, it's honestly insane with, uh, some of the conditions that we work with. Cause mm-hmm. some of us are also are fearful that we won't be working again because right. certain people in our industry are literally like, if you don't do this for me, you're not going to work on like with this production company again, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones who do the, all the hiring for that company Right. for that, those positions. So piss them off. You're not going to be there, which, which I kind of hate too, is because productions always encourage us to like, if we're feeling too tired or anything like that, uh, call them and they'll get us a hotel. Oh, but they also discourage it.
0: (laughs) We will. Because of The
1: thing is, we will get you a hotel, right? but will we call you back?
0: Right. We will get you a hotel, but then you're a little bitch.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Right? (laughs) Like in in our collective agreement for the Directors Guild of Canada, if we're overtired and worked over a certain amount of hours, it's not for production to get us a hotel. It is for us to nap in our car or drive home with the windows rolled down with loud music blaring and the air conditioning turned on. It says that in our contract
2: that's really
1: the only thing the only thing it, only thing it sa- says in there about <laughs> us working too long hours is we are legally rec- legally allowed to walk off set after 18 hours
2: mm.
1: after 18 hours with no repercussions. Right. That's that. that's it other than that it's uh turnaround nine hours uh, you're scheduled for a minimum of 15 hours Jesus. And, uh, it depends on like the rate, like, uh, the rate you're on, like PAs, automatic 15, ADs, automatic 15, background Mm -hmm. wranglers are, uh, eight hours minimum. Uh, so it it depends on your, on your call. Right. It, it, it's honestly kind of bad. And like, we're not even confirmed lunch. Like they have have to feed us within nine hours. Uh, (laughs) but it's a paid lunch, right? It's a paid lunch for DGC members. Mm. So we, as long as they give us lunch. Doesn't mean we have to have it. We get an opportunity to sit it, sit down and eat it. We'll eat it at any opportunity we get.
0: I see. The food is like, there, but the,
1: exactly the <laughs> food is there. You got lunch, and it says in our agreement we get a. We should have thirty minutes to eat it, but it doesn't say to have a sit down lunch and eat it. Wow. Unlike Ayatsi, which you they're required to have that thirty minute break, so they so they really abuse us, PAS and 80s because sometimes like we'll be looking over the schedules during lunch like we're working and still eating lunch like when i was paing we'd be setting up for the next shot getting video village moved like putting right. plywood down like getting everything logistically set up mm-hmm. so the crew can film in that location during their lunch and then we'd Fuck. be there an hour and a half afterwards like it's even like with meal penalty like i did a gig where i did like we got breakfast at like 9 a.m and we went into like an hour and a half to two hours of meal penalty. But since I'm DGC, I don't get meal penalty. And so it was from nine a.m. to six p.m. When we actually broke for lunch is when I actually got to eat again.
0: God damn! And meal meal penalty is a fee paid by the production company to the employees if they've gone overtime. Yeah, over yeah but
1: by, by it's paid for every six minute increment.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like really, what's like? There's not many other industries that that we know of that are that people are treated this way, is there? Like the Iatsi thing really came to the public kind of forefront to the news cycle recently and people were like, Holy shit, like this is how it goes on a film set?
1: Yeah. And like some people are complaining about it, going like, oh, they're actors or the Hollywood elite. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't remember becoming part of the Hollywood Elite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I missed where, that where one. where's my money? Yeah. <laughs> right. Where
1: where's first of all, where's the glamour and all this sort of stuff? It's just like where they used to do cocaine back in the eighties and nineties. I bet it was to keep on going. It, it wasn't because it's was like, Oh, drug field. Let's go do this is to keep on filming, keep on working these long hours.
0: Right. Is it, it's just about the money then, isn't it? Right. Like it's just bottom line.
1: Yeah. Like, cause like they pay us all out, right? Like even mm. the actors, they pay out on like a three to four year contract before they get royalties. So anything oh. but for that theatrical run and more, they're making back their money and their profit right away. It, it's just like, uh, with, uh, like with my movies, yeah, sure. We're getting a small percentage on the back end, mm-hmm. but distribution usually takes around 30%. And, like, <laughs> and the, then you got the actors' royalties and everything. And like By the end of it, like I'm only getting like 5%. Right. And depending on how much money it makes and the investors being paid back and everything,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's not really a lot of kickback at all. No. Uh, for these bigger blockbusters, it's a whole lot bigger. It's just like the Scarlett Johansson situation. Like people were like, oh, she's getting paid enough money, but the thing is, her rate is so high, which is good for her. But they, they, she negotiated with the production that she gets some theatrical gross. Oh, so then that way they don't have to pay everything up front; they can pay it in the back, and when they have that money. Interesting. So, so they're not spending, say, like, uh, like say, like a hundred million dollars, and say she want she wanted like ten or twenty million,
2: hmm.
1: she takes half now, then half on the back end. Hmm. They're they're saving some of that money to go towards whatever else they need. Sure. Unlike unlike, I doubt Marvel and Disney need like that's wow. a dent in what they get. Really? <laughs> How Like however, the thing is about it by it releasing at the same time as streaming,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it screws her over part of that contract because that doesn't cover streaming revenue. Oh, it only covers theatrical, theatrical release. Huh. And since it's during the pandemic and the movie kept getting pushed back, it's not going to do too well in theaters, especially when they're pushing this new Disney Plus, new streaming platform, new Disney Premiere Plus and everything. And that's where they got a lot of their sales. And she's not making any of that.
0: What movie was this? Black Widow. Okay, yeah. So did that come out? Stone had a
1: problem with Cruella as well. Yeah, they both came out on Disney Plus and in theaters at the same time. But they uh, they settled it outside of court. And like that, that's a massive problem. Like, it's just like, say for an example, myself with darker than night. Say yeah, I get a percentage of theatrical, mm-hmm. but say they only do a theatrical run in two theaters <laughs> then they release it online and make the rest of their money. Right. And I'm only entitled to the theatrical part of the theatrical.
0: That well, so you got to start, we got to start writing streaming into our contracts.
1: Exactly. Which is a huge thing about iatsi as well with new media, because okay. still to this day, even when I did my last union project with ACTRA, we were under new media
0: okay uh, new, new media. media is
1: not new new not new anymore it's not new
0: it's kind of the mainstream almost
1: exactly and that's why iatze is fighting so hard it's because these new media guys are getting all these discounts and tax credits and rates and more but it's not new anymore and it's kind of hurting like indie filmmakers like myself mm. and you because they're also iatze's new contract agreement i hate <laughs> because it's like yeah new independent producers have to pay more and stuff like that i'm like don't don't put it on the the tiny guys trying to make their low budget film and just they're they're excited to be able to pay people mm-hmm. and they're going to the union to make sure the workers are protected right don't make them pay more because more union workers are not only going to be out of the job and upgrades won't be able to be as easy to certain people hmm. these 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 new producers will have an easier way to fuck over these crew members it's just like I I tried to unionize so much on one of my last projects to make sure everyone's protected. Mm -hmm. And I I got thrown around on that a little bit. Like I was like, yeah, like call DGC, call IATSE. They're all willing to work with us. They Mm -hmm. want us to be union. They want people to like, even if we say we need a cam op and like, they call an ACAM assist for us Mm -hmm. instead that ACAM assist may want to become a cam op. IATSE will still honor those days towards him. Oh, okay. And they still give us a union personnel who wants to, who's passionate about what they're doing. Sure, it's not their regular position, but if they know how to do it and they're passionate about it, and it's working, helping them, and they're helping us for a discounted rate, I'll gladly take that. Right, and especially knowing everyone's protected and more, it's massive. But with this new, these new media players coming in, like yeah, it's on streaming, so it's going to be this. It's screwing us over because some of the distribution deals that we can only get as indie filmmakers is streaming. Hmm. So that's where I think. It should be as a per production company basis because Netflix versus, like, say you and I go out and make a film for like hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, they're going to charge us the exact same rate depending on our rate sheet.
0: But it's the same everywhere you look, any industry. The big, the big fish are consolidating their power. Always, it's. I mean, it's nothing new. It's just the more you learn, the the, the matter you get about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like also people with fatigue from superhero movies right now. The mm. only movies that have been in theaters for like the last decade, unless you go to like the Rio Theater or the Garneau or Princess, sure, is Marvel. It's all Marvel. Three Marvel movies a year. They're constantly in a theatrical cycle back to back to back. Like as soon as one theatrical cycle ends, mm-hmm. boom, next Marvel movie or Disney movie. It's all the same companies just pumping out into the theaters. It's almost like the old studio system back in like, like sure. 1920s with Paramount theater and like, like all those, all those classic theaters where, you know, they just hired their own actors, made their own movies, put them in their own theaters. And with streaming now. It's like, yeah, we're broadcasting everywhere, mm-hmm. but they're screwing people over dramatically. And just because they can't
0: just because they can,
1: it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I have to be back out of work in five hours. I'm on a discounted rate for working for the entire week. Cause like in the DGC, we have a day rate and a weekly rate. Mm. My day rate as a third AD on like tier A productions is like 425. No, it's like 475 a day. Okay. Plus they pay for my phone and my uh, laptop. So it's like $500 a day on a day rate, which that's pretty damn good. It's nice. Very nice. But if you're weekly, when you break it down, uh, like it's at four four to five hundred dollars, like almost five hundred bucks a day. It goes down to seventeen hundred dollars a week. Oof. So when I break that down, this is this is how much I I'd make. Because um, I when I worked on Batwoman full time, mm-hmm. they switched me to a weekly because I thought that was the best thing to do was get to uh. a weekly because they'd have to give me notice to fire me. Oh, <laughs> <And so> I, <laughs> yeah, sure. So they'd have to give me a week's notice. Then that way they pay me for the last week, and Mm -hmm. that way I I don't secure it. I'm like, daily, daily, they need to give you only nine hours' notice. Oh, really? And you only need to give them nine hours' notice. Okay. So here, 475 times five, that's
0: Mm $2,375.
1: And now a weekly, I'm only making $1,700. So there's a $675 difference between that. So I'm almost working a day and a bit for free.
0: Right. And for what? A little bit of security?
1: Exactly like uh they have to give me like notice to lay off and that sort of thing and so or say if i'm fired they have to pay me for an additional week as Mm -hmm. severance pay like that's basically the only thing between a weekly and uh daily but it's supposed to be an incentive for them to hire us long term
0: but really it's just an incentive to screw you
1: a little bit like it depends on who (laughs) you ask and and more like some companies like they can't afford it like it's fine like when i tell people A one million dollar movie like they just see you know dollar signs and they're thinking wow that's big budget
2: Mm -hmm. no
1: hallmark movies are a million (laughs) dollars hallmark and lifetime like these cheesy thrillers and cheesy like wedding movies Mm -hmm. that like only have like three or four locations those are made for a million dollars
0: i believe it it's a million horrible well no comment i have made some horrible movies in my I don't know, but you right. have to, I have yeah. too
1: Pat, but you also made a ten thousand dollar movie look over looked like it was like worth a quarter million like i we've I.
0: there's things I'm just you, like yeah
1: what? and there's like no creativity, like nothing like i there's actually a hallmark script right there right there, where my thumb is that pink thing that's a script that we just wrapped up like a week ago. I see it. yeah, I have so many of these things sometimes they're coasters for me for like a week.
0: (laughs) Was it good? Was it good movie?
1: This one was actually pretty good. And I'm sorry, it wasn't Hallmark. It was like great, great, great American country family network. Right. It was actually pretty good. Not going to lie. Like for a raw, like a romantic movie like that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. A-list cast, awesome director, just like good, good people all around. Right. Like it was, it was pretty fun. Like even, even uh, the first AD I worked for, she like, she was super sweet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she came in partway through the show, and like like sometimes ads don't get along when there's a new ad, right? It's like because sometimes if there's a new first and when another first ad leaves, they will see how the crew like their first ad like their team is, and then they'll clean house, oh. and have a new crew the next week, right? Like a new like ad team. Okay. And so part of me was like terrified, going oh oh,
0: right, right. am I gonna get am I'm I gonna get fired? Here. Yeah.
1: Like, I'm terrified. But no, super sweet and everything. And I'm like, okay. And she started talking to me about, like, our mutual friends and stuff like that. And she talked about her regular second AD. And I'm like, I know that name. Right. I'm like, you know him? And she's like, yeah, I know him. Because he was the guy who hired me on Batwoman.
2: Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) And so, yeah, like, I might be working with him again later Uh, in November on another Hallmark movie because they just called me the other day about it and I was like maybe I'll have to see like I told them yes because I do want to work on it I say maybe we'll have to see now just because certain things uh, might be going on Mm -hmm. but I'm probably going to work on that movie as one of my last projects here in Canada and the reason I say that is because I got the feature in Scotland Mm -hmm. and I'm applying to the American Film Institute for the director conservatory
0: nice man
1: and so that's why I also said I'm biting my own words with film school,
0: right? Because going... I do
1: I do believe that AFI can teach me some things oh. and a lot of things. Like it's the top film school in the world.
0: You're applying, or you got accepted?
1: I'm applying. Okay, I'm applying. I went to a, a few interviews of, about it. I have some letter references. They gave me the topic of the short film I have to make since we have to make a short film to oh wow like fully apply and more. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm Going for a tour of the school in November, I'm very excited. And uh, that it's like a 5% chance acceptance rate. Oof. But a lot of these people are submitting with short films and such. Mm-hmm. And then I'm si- I'm kind of submitting two features.
2: <laughs> True. music
1: video, True. Uh, a commercial, stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm going to learn. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe that I, I can learn and master my... Like, not master, but like in my craft of sure. directing
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: because a lot of it too is about reacting and life experience
2: because
0: as a,
1: as, as a 22 year old, I'm still pretty early on in my life.
0: <laughs> yes, sir.
1: <laughs> so like when I'm reading some of these short film strips that my friends send me like, yeah, we need to do it like this and do this. I'm just trying to pull from my real life experiences going. I haven't gone through that. I haven't gone through that. Mm. Then I have to put myself into, in like, these people's shoes going, like, how is it having your house burned down and being left alone and, like, all this sort of stuff? <laughs> or, like, just, like, like how is it losing your first child? And, like, they oh, died boy. shortly after childbirth. I'm like, okay.
0: I got some learning to do.
1: Yeah, it's like, I can't ex- experience that. Right. Like, well, I, I hope I don't experience it. Like, but I haven't I haven't yet, so I have to do all this research about what morning parents would be like or that sort of thing. Wow. It's just like for darker than night, I did so much research about uh, certain spells and more like uh, the engravings on blades, right? It's actually called Egla.
2: Hmm.
1: And I was doing like research on demonology and more. And it's just like, okay, I got all this information. How can I show it in the movie? And kind of bring our world together because obviously we're making like a religious movie. That's not religious. Right. Like we don't even mention the big J guy, big J, big J. And we don't, we don't talk about him at all. Cause that'd be very controversial. Right. It's like, as soon as we step into that world, it's controversial. That's like different. I was even, <laughs> yeah. I was even playing around with an idea of, I'm like, so Nathan, the reaper, what if he, he chose that as his like new age name, Mm -hmm. but for a bit more backstory, the reason why he's the first reaper is because he's one of the first betrayers of Jesus. Therefore he is Judas.
0: That'd be, that'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Right. Then you can set up a cool redemption arc and stuff like that. But then it's like, (laughs) then we're touching the Jesus lore and that's dangerous.
0: Right, People will come after you.
1: Yeah. People will come after you, send you death threats and (laughs) not fun. From my experience from death threats, they are not fun. Right some people i laugh at i'm like yeah sure you're gonna kill me but then some people i'm like you're gonna kill me
0: right you're gonna kill me i i can't let you go and i I get i don't know how much you can say but what can you say about darker than night Two and the difficulties that that kind of okay occurred on that one
1: i don't know how much i can say we did have some difficulties Mm i'm 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 happy we got it done so
0: you did get it done
1: yeah, I'll do what we need to do to see that my director's cut is fulfilled. Okay. It was a fun experience, as one could say. Sure. Um, and uh, definitely learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we had some good <laughs> days. We had some bad days. Sure. Uh, I remember I was so stressed out one day that uh, I uh, collapsed and had to go to the hospital. I had a stress-induced seizure. Oh wow! And I remember waking up in the hospital, looking over at my buddy Sam, and I'm like, "Did the call sheet go out?" (laughs) And he's like, (laughs) "And he's like, dude, it's like, dude, it's 4 a.m. and you're in the hospital. Everyone knows what's going on. You're you're not. We're we're not filming tomorrow.
2: That's fucked up. We're not
1: filming tomorrow. I didn't get discharged till like 8 or 9 a.m. Right. And they're like, if you feel like this again, come back immediately." And they're like, watch your levels, be relaxed, because any moment you can go right back into it. And I'm like,
0: oh. A stress-induced so, seizure. Yeah. And the stress came from the fact that you just, like, again, I know, I know we can't say a bunch of shit about this, but the difficulties that you had to put up with and the sort of restructuring of the production.
1: Yeah, like, um, we went through so much on that. And, like, yeah, we got the movie. We got the movie done. Uh, I will say it's not the movie I wanted wanted to be made okay and um i was pretty upset about it to be honest with you like at the end i kind of like i did feel like i partially failed some people and more hmm. and it just uh it just kind of hurt but i also couldn't leave due to certain situations and i'm just kind of sitting there like this is not the movie i wanted to make to get made mm-hmm. this is not the movie i wanted to make um but we got it done got it in the can I'm just going to make sure it's the best as it is mm-hmm. live and learn and just kind of make it the best that I can with what I'm given. Um, and hopefully some people understand that. And if not, you know what? I hope I can rebuild some of that trust and more later on.
0: It's well said, man. Why can we look forward to seeing darker than night one?
1: Me too. Darker the night one is going to be awesome. Darker than night two. It does look pretty cool from what I have seen so far. Uh, but like I said, like some of it, it's not what I wanted, but we, we got it. Like it's mm-hmm. in, it's in the can. Uh, it was cool working with some like bigger union actors though. That was crazy. Right. Like, uh, Jeff Evans, Todd from, uh, Disney's Turner and Hooch Bates motel. Nice. Uh, that, that was really cool. Cause he's also my acting instructor.
0: <laughs> so yeah. did he do it for you or how did he come onto the project?
1: Uh, yeah, he did it. He did it for me. um, Cause I like him and I like produced a short film together and like he was a boom operator on a, a movie I co-produced called time helmet. Oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, like I talked to him about it. He immediately came on and yeah, it was, it was just like that. And we got um, uh, Matt James Dowden from um death note and a few other things. We got, uh, we got Jesse Lipscomb.
0: Oh yeah. Edmonton yeah. legend.
1: <laughs> Edmonton legend, uh, from, you know, black summer and, mm. and now he's out here in Vancouver, which is oh, awesome. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He, he moved to Vancouver like the day after he rapped on darker than night too. Right.
0: <laughs> he's like, well, that's enough of this shit.
1: And, uh, <laughs> then we also, we also had Paula Barrows, the lead actress, well, like one of the leads, like literally like, I think she's like number two or number three wow. on the dragon Prince on Netflix. So, Which just got renewed for another season.
0: Damn. Paula Barrows?
1: Yeah, Burrows. B-U-R-R-O-W-S. I think so. Sorry, Paula.
0: Just for my own reference, looking her up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, so uh, it's never she's perfect. She's like a main character. Right.
1: No, it's never perfect yet. We, we, uh, we got it done. And uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Because it's, it's definitely a step up. Cool. Uh, which is honestly all I can ask for Like we found a place that looks like Israel in Edmonton. Where? Uh, It it was, um, I think it's McTaggart Sanctuary. Okay. When you hike in a bit more, uh, Matt actually helped us find it. It was like a 10 to 15 minute walk in and like, it sucked. We were literally like just walking in. Oh,
0: I think I know where this was. We shot something else there in the summer.
1: Oh, probably. And like, I'm just like this, like, Oh God, this, Oh, this walk sucks. And Mike and Matt are like, all right, man, this better be the, this better not be like the perfect location. Cause it's going to suck. And it was the perfect location.
0: Beautiful. I mean, yeah. Okay. Hey, I mean, a good location will help a lot, right?
1: <laughs> we had some great locations for this, like phenomenal. Uh, and we like it, it it looked very good. I'm I'm pretty happy like with what we like what we did get, and um, yeah, like I know for me, I want to take a break from fantasy, like the fantasy action genre, right? Because I want something that can be cut together within a few months right. Right. and out. Because I'm telling all these people, like, yeah, I got Jerker than it one, Jerker than it two, and it's like, can we watch it? It's like it's in VFX, yeah, like with it's it's so frustrating because like. I know I can put out some of these other movies like say if we did a thriller instead Mm -hmm. minimum minimum VFX fine but visual effects take so so much especially with Darker Than Night because we're doing body doubles we're doing digi doubles for the ashes which I did not know that was that was going to be a thing until later (laughs) on we're like yeah we have to make a digital body double and I'm like what uh... (laughs) I'm like how much that sounds expensive and they're like it is expensive I'm like oh.
0: and you had Jarvis in the green suit we got to deal with that still
1: yeah, that turned out cool. Did that, it? that turned out cool. It's good. still being worked on, but okay. that's a, a digital doubles being dropped onto him in the green suit. Okay. And he's turned into like a cool demon smoke monster with like yellow glowing eyes. And
0: I can't wait to see it.
1: That's the most expensive sequence of the movie.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: talking to them about possibly making, if it looks good, a like top-down car shot of it, like the demon following.
0: Oh, that'd be dope.
1: It'd be very dope because, like, we were we were very limited on some of the stuff that we had on that movie. I had nothing. Yeah, no, it I don't just mean that us. in a bad
0: way. We just we we had nothing.
1: No, like, <laughs> I, I I love it when people saw our rig. They thought it was very complex, but it's like, no. Here's the camera, battery, lens, right. and here's a transmitter, so I can see stuff, and I'm just hooked up to Chris with my headphones. <laughs> Like they remember there are some days where I'd be like, you know, hiding underneath like a table and right. like with my monitor. And I'm like, yeah, that looked right. look good. Do that again. Like this. Right. Like when we we're shooting at Faisal's place with Jen that one night. Right. And Jen was pointing the knife
0: oh, that and was she dropped good stuff. it and
1: it dropped like straight down <laughs> and yeah. like hit close to her foot. And I'm just sitting there like
0: cut. <laughs> cut. <laughs> <laughs> that scene turned out really nice. I remember yeah, thinking.
1: We, yeah. We, we have some, Pretty awesome scenes in that movie. Like Mm -hmm. if I do so I say myself, like some of them look great. Like the Logan and Ariel training. And uh, like when she comes down the stairs and everything and like that, it just looks so good. Like some of the shots we faked for Dolly's shots look pretty good. But uh like I I'm I'm very happy with it. When when I still tell people the story and how we made it and show them Mm -hmm. like clips and whatnot, they're even like, You made this for like twelve thousand dollars during covid right it's like yeah
0: yeah now how much of the 12 is post uh most of it two <laughs> two two well you're getting some favors then hey
1: lots of favors lots yeah. of favors the second one there is no favors <laughs>
0: <laughs> full price for you
1: <laughs> yeah full price or discount price because we want to work because they want to work with me that's about it right like uh we just got a Post production quote, but since I'm not a producer, I don't really care. I just kind of gave them the post company that I like working with, which is Motion Beach Sound. Okay. Um, uh, they're like they gave me the the estimate, gave it to the producers. I'm like, this is the estimate for this because mm-hmm. you need foley if you want it mixed in Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're we're doing with darker than night uh, darker than night one, which you want to carry on with number two. Mm-hmm. Is we're doing ambisonic sound. Oh wow! So when you're watching with headphones, you can actually hear and feel Lucifer's essence, like in the headphones and whatnot, right? Now with like this, like yeah, I, ambisonic,
0: ambisonic. So like it, it moves. Yeah. So it's like surround in your headphones. Exactly. That's cool.
1: It's like 5D sound. Like it, it's gonna be mind-boggling. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, like I know we're for somebody on our post sound team. I'm not sure if he's still involved, but last time I checked. He was so I'm not. Don't quote me on on this sure. too much because like I'm not too involved in the post process. It's like literally only director's cut and I'm like these are the people I like working with. <laughs> uh, like I know at one point Adam Casper was attached to it hmm. for doing some audio stuff. Okay. He was a uh, he's a Grammy award winning producer uh, known for the Foo Fighters and like Nirvana and stuff like that. Nice. And um, yeah, like. We had, we had some pretty cool people on post. Like, I'm excited to see like what what comes of it afterwards. But like the visual effects and stuff like that, it's gonna take a while.
2: Because mm-hmm. we had
1: we had some huge elaborate fight sequences on Darker the Night too. Like we had one fight sequence where we had uh, two hero actors and eight stunt stunt guys in a one take 300 style fight scene. That they literally. We had rehearsal days for our stunt guys and like, you know how big that is for, for my stuff. Right. Like we had like rehearsal days. Yeah. They had full blown, like eight hour rehearsal days that we paid them for and everything to do this fight scene. And we like, it, it was it was nuts. We even had we even had prop replicas of the swords that we purchased, like molded and cast out, out of like foam and everything for stunt oh, double, right. like for stunt now. swords and, and more. Like it was crazy because I'm like, I'm just like, hey, well, we're, uh, I'm like, well, each time I talk to a stunt coordinator, Scott Pocha about it, it was, or like George or Mike, or like any of them, they're like, so how do you envision this fight scene? I'm like, hey, so, you know, 300, the battle of <laughs> Thermopylae. With so, it zooming yeah. in and out, and they're like, "Yeah," I'm <laughs> like, "Don't worry, we're doing it a better way." I'm like, "We're only distributing this in 4K." Right,
0: right. <laughs> Didn't they have and multiple the, cameras on the same rig to do that shit?
1: They did with different lens sizes, and they stitched it all together. But since we're shooting in, uh, we're shooting in 6K, mm-hmm. and we're only distributing in 4K. But the fight sequence is going to be more. It's going to be better in the HD cut. Okay i want to make it better in the hd cut since it's only full hd we have so much to play with so we can get better like a better fight sequence right. zooming in and out mm-hmm. so we're zooming in and out from 6k to 4k and not losing any resolution yeah so that's how we we pulled it off
2: ah, we I like
1: did it. it in like a slight slow motion with motion blur and it looks fantastic especially with demons like flipping over and we did it like on the side of like a pond and everything so they're like rolling down into the water and oh.
0: Well, you're going to be the first guy to, re- to release a movie and that movie's sequel at the same time.
1: Pretty much. It depends on the distribution company.
0: <laughs> Do you have a rough idea of when we might see DTN 1 out or 2?
1: I, I have no idea because okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's before the new year. Okay. Because like, I want to try to streamline this to get DTN 1 done fast. Like I know there's a few VFX stuff that we're waiting on, like getting certain title names. Uh, okay. for the uh, clips like the exact clip names because uh, parts of it were edited in multicam so when I look up the metadata it just says multicam hmm. and not the exact clips so no. I'm just sitting there going Fuck. yeah it's like I don't know what clips to give to the editor because I'm not going to give the editor like 8 terabytes worth of footage <laughs> well not the editor but the visual effects artist right. like 8 terabytes and have fun with it No,
0: no you want to so- give them a sequence to work with right?
1: Yeah, it's just the exact ones they they, they gotcha. do because then we'd have to pay for a recut. Mm. So, like once all that's done, it's gonna take it's gonna be easy. Like once I'm done with the intro here, it's only gonna take about 15 days of sound, three weeks of three weeks of visual effects, and mm. a week of, week of color, and then it's done.
0: People. Like, then it, yeah. I, hypothetically, I wish you the best of luck. You know, people think making movies is fun. Editing movies is fun, man. Offline, color, sound, online, fuck. That is nightmare city.
1: I hate it so much. <laughs> this thing saved my life. Yeah. I, I was I was editing a uh, a thing for Vancouver Pride, like a live stream, multi-cam, oh. like, a, a multi-cam live stream where we had three cameras running. The speed editor saved my life.
0: You were you were switching cameras live?
1: So I recorded it previously with gotcha. one of my with my friend Jade from Fallen Stars. And we're just like, okay. She handed me all the like all the footage because she could only edit a few bands because she was getting like really busy with other gigs. I'm like, hey, like just throw me like hundred bucks or whatever and I'll get it done. And I'm like, all right, I know how to use Resolve and everything. And the speed panel just came out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know what? I'll buy one. Cause I'm sure it'll come in handy and I, I never <laughs> looked back, but so I was like live switching in the edit between this yes. and it's basically just going back and like tweaking a few things, yeah. but it, it, it was like, okay. So something that would have taken Jade, like say a day or two to edit took me literally 40 to 50 minutes because of it.
0: Cause you could just blast through. Take 1, take 2, take 1, take 2, take Exactly. Three.
1: Or like when I synced it all together and I had the master for sound, I was like, all right, this is feeling like a drum moment. Camera 3 drums. All right, I'm done with the drums. Back to the wide. Right, Just you're like picking them. You're I'm doing live it. editing. Yeah. Just feeling it, you know? That's fun. But edit editing kind of really sucks. It's like it's it's <laughs> where the it's it's where the it's it's where it the movie is made. It is. But it's like it's like what Alfred Hitchcock says though as well is he hates the term cutting hmm. because you're assembling something.
0: Yeah. You're literally, sure. it's
1: assembling like a mosaic. You're making a piece of art.
0: Cutting it's is beautiful. the wrong. Right. Cut is the wrong. I mean, it's not the wrong word really, but yeah, it kind of is. Was it Hitchcock? No, maybe it was Renoir who also said you, you make the movie three times. You write it, you shoot it, and then you and you assemble it. What, you've, what you come up with is often quite different.
1: Exactly. It's like how Star Wars was saved in the cut. Is that true? By George Lucas's wife and uh, the editing assistant. Really? Yeah, it was, it was huge. They have a book about it and everything. Like uh, the, the cut they originally handed into Fox was horrible.
0: Oh, really? I had no yeah. idea.
1: And then they let them continue shooting a few things and they made it a whole brand new story. And hmm. uh, now it is what we know and love today. Like, lots of movies are saved and killed in the cut, unfortunately. Definitely. Like, I know so many films, especially some of my shorts, which, which, like, they're done. They just need, like, post-sound and color, but that's where they stopped. Right. And, like, this is where I'm at with, like, Darker Than Night 1, where it's just these few little things holding it up. And I'm like, I just need to know a few bits of information to get it going. It's like Darker Than Night 2. I'm glad I'm not the post-production supervisor.
0: I'm (laughs) I am quite often glad that I'm not the post supervisor as well because he's just like, holy fuck.
1: Yeah, it's like there's so much you need to do. There's so much. Uh, And and clearances, like all the whole works, it's just like for me, it's like give me the movie. (laughs) <laughs> cool that's what i like here there, there's my version have a good day
0: right right get me out of here
1: get me get me out of here all right so they then when they send me the producers cut i'm like no this is what i want Then i make changes to that until i'm happy right then you know we have to come to a happy medium on all right we're both happy let's move on and release it because it's all about compromises
2: it
0: well it is That's
1: like the biggest thing in our industry is like how many times is it literally just a compromise like literally everything
0: It's a crazy it's a crazy business and a crazy art form because so many hands and minds go into it, right? From the beginning to I mean, it may be written by a few people, but production is hundreds of people.
1: Yeah, and like even for me as a director, because I'm I like a lot of people think the director is like the top dog, but Mm. it's the producers. Sure. The director is there for to direct the project in line to make sure it's under one creative umbrella. Sure. And just you know, spearhead the operation and uh, have fun telling that story, right? Because the producers are the ones who get the profit in the back end and all that sort of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even in my director, like in my director's contract, I did not negotiate back end pay. And the director for the Directors Guild of Canada, you have to negotiate back end pay. It's not industry oh. standard. Huh. Like even on a one million dollar movie, the minimum, the minimum, a director makes for Directors Guild of Canada. Is fifteen thousand dollars. Really? That's the payout. Huh. Is fifteen grand. And like some people are like, Yeah, that's pretty good for like, you know, a month of work. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But at the same time, me as an A D, on certain Hallmark movies, I'm walking away with four to five thousand dollars as an A (laughs) D. And so a director making 15 grand, like then if you go to the DGA, the DG, DGA, I think is like, don't quote me on this because I might be wrong. It might be, <laughs> I think it's like 15% of the budget. Holy shit. The director needs to make is 15%. So, you know, on a $1 million movie that now changes to $150,000. Right. U.S. U.S. They're paying us 15K Canadian with U.S. money.
0: I, <laughs> like, ooh, nice.
1: They're basically almost getting the director for free, you know? After the tax credit system and everything, like right, the difference is so huge.
0: And you have to negotiate the back end.
1: You have to negotiate the back end. I didn't know. Like that. there are certain things that are in my Darker Than Night Two contract, which is <laughs> industry standard. Right. Like I think it's like my my name in the intro has to be like I think no less than forty percent, or like fifty or sixty percent, something along those lines of like the same like size as like the opening title oh wow and like mine has to be like the biggest name on like for certain parts and like on posters (sighs) i have to like i have my name uh like if there's video games or whatnot too for certain things i i'm I'm, i forget some of the specifics i had originally they handed me a one-page contract and i returned it with a 20 page
0: (laughs) i heard there was some fun with the contracts on that one
1: Oh, oh God, don't get me started. I, we, we can't talk about that's that. Fine. That's no, something no. I don't think we can talk no, no, that's about. that's fine.
0: I don't know any specifics. <laughs> I just heard it was...
2: Oh, boy. You know
0: what? There's a million fucking things to do to make a movie. You know? Mm-hmm. Good luck happy, getting, them, getting them all happy, right.
1: Happy Crew is the biggest thing for me. hmm Is because if the crew is happy and all of us are having fun and passionate filmmakers together, it will show in the product.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Like it's still,
1: it still feels weird to me to say that I'm a director. And like, when people talk to me, they're like, yeah, you're a director. And I'm like, oh, I guess I, I'm like, I got two features and like all this other stuff. Except
0: uh, <laughs> you're a director. Yeah, I'm
1: like, I'm like, okay, I, I'm a director. It's like when I'm hanging out with some of my friends who act on Riverdale, like before the pandemic, even though I was just doing, like, I did a commercial on like a short before the pandemic. Mm-hmm like would be at the bar and they're like, Oh my God, you're that person from Riverdale. And they're like, Oh, meet my Br- my buddy Braden, he's a director. And then they'd run off. And I'm like, I've done nothing that <laughs> they've seen. Or they'd be like, yeah, he was in Heartland. And I'm like, I was in extra yeah.
0: <laughs> six years ago.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Glad that wasn't my peak. <laughs> well, no,
0: I don't think you've reached your peak, my man.
1: Thanks man. Like, honestly, we have some, some great stuff coming up. Like this, uh, like this, movie in scotland that i'm getting ready to do mm. i have such a good feeling about it like it is like i was in a business meeting about it earlier today literally we we met at 2 30 we had to cut it off at 6 p.m holy and like we kept we kept going on about it just like boom boom like it was just so it's it's just so good like it's basically like a love letter to artists trying to strive to follow their dreams no matter where they're at because like you know lots of people Will lose their creative drive hmm. and their drive to create. Like, especially, like say myself.
2: Mm-hmm. What if I
1: moved back to Drayton Valley after my schooling? That would have changed things entirely. Like, I, I yeah. probably would have been working the oil field. I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, no like, joy. Just,
0: no, no yeah. joy.
1: Exactly. And so we're we're kind of showing in, in the movie what happens when that somebody's put in that situation, but they keep striving for their goals you will find the opportunities they don't find you you find them and you create your own for the love of art for the the art and eventually instead of going like i need to make a the top like everybody who who wants to be a director is like yeah i want my movie to be a blockbuster it's always a blockbuster like you Mm know kubrick did it spielberg did it and everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) like for for me it's not even about that it's about doing what i love with people who I love and having fun doing it. I don't care about the money. And like, that's kind of what we're also showing in this movie is no matter, like we're trying to show people and hopefully inspire them to make mm-hmm. art wherever they are, no matter, no matter the place they are in life is finding the joy where you are and ha- have fun with your community and just build to become better people.
0: That's beautiful, man. I've, and I think a lot of people need to need, could use that inspiration to, to remember that we're all artists You know, you might not be a paid professional artist, but to be a human is to be an artist. So if this movie could bring that to people, you'll be on your way.
1: Definitely. And like the the thing about it is we're we're all humans. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We're all here for a short time. Mm. What we do with that time is what makes it special. And what I think, like, a lot of people are like, what's the meaning of life and going all all deep, like very deep and everything. But like, for me, I believe my purpose is to bring a escape for people, because some people go to the movies for different reasons. But all of us go to feel and to watch these stories being told. Some of us may not know it, but we're there for an emotional escape, even if it reminds us about something or resonates with us we're still escaping from our realities mm. it's just like with me with star wars yeah that's a huge part of my life i love it
2: mm.
1: like it's the hero's journey right but at the same time like i don't i don't go around look, going like luke skywalker but at the same time <laughs>
2: <laughs> like
1: don't I, you? trust me as, as, a, as a as a kid i'd always i be like i am i am a jedi like my father before me uh <laughs> But like even with those sci-fi fantasy movies, or even with like a rom-com like Hallmark, mm-hmm. like Hallmark's all about finding love. Yeah. Uh, like Star Wars, when you really break it down, aside from it being a family drama now, is that uh, <laughs> it's no matter who you are, from where you are, you can still do great things.
0: Isn't that the Braden Langford story too?
1: Oh, you oh, you know it <laughs> but yeah like it's like what I believe that uh, like I'm here for is to help people escape tell people stories mm-hmm. in ways that uh, people haven't heard them before and hopefully people can either be inspired relate change their perspective or even if they just had fun for a few moments I know I'm doing my job and that makes me happy
0: I'm gonna leave it there Brayden. I appreciate everything you said man and thank you for sharing your story
1: Thank you so much for having me, Pat. It's nice uh, talking to you again, and uh, sure is. thank you guys so much.
0: Thanks for listening, folks. Brayden, you can stay on the line if you want. Oh heck yeah! Heck yeah! Alrighty. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thank you.